This is Dexter Vines, and it's 11 o'clock comics. There's magic to my ears right there. Ah, thank the Lord. Thank baby Jesus. Thank you, baby Jeebus, for another Wednesday. Now six sounds, baby Jesus. Is that how big Jeebus was? I like, I like my Jesus wearing like the tuxedo t-shirt. It says, I like the party. It's <laughs> a great fucking movie. I need to watch that again. Was that Ted? No, my... Oh, <laughs> I, I will grab you by the ball. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Ah, dude. Oh, that's all about the baby box. Save me, baby Jesus. Price am mad. Never. Are headphones working? <laughs> <laughs> we should let them in on that. We all, we all staticky, bro. Oh, y'all sound good. Man, I, I call the Apple store. My thing's is fucking dude, I up. had an appointment at the Genius Bar. <laughs> oh, you made me... You did. You did. It's ridiculous. It is ridiculous. You, you too, you too bright for that. Me, I'm too smart for this thing. That's why I said I love when that happens because it happens <laughs> so infrequently. Yep. The air is the human. It's like Christmas. It's true. For Rizzle. So we get a lot of nice positive feedback about last week's show. We did. It's because it was a good episode. We did. Yeah, we done good. And most of the heavy lifting was done by Mr. Hickman himself. So we done good. It's we're taking the the credit, but he did all the work. Uh, he did. He did well. It was great. Yeah. Wow, we got a window open? Back to normal now. Yep. Wait, who's what are you window open? I hear um street whooshing. Sounds. Street sounds. Yeah, crazy street sounds. Really? Yeah. I don't hear anything. Headphones on the, super tight. The listeners hear a lot because this is eleven o'clock comics, episode three hundred and fifty five, <laughs> and I've mastered the segue. <laughs> Vince P. I was wondering if we had like some Def Leppard or Spin Doctors for the intro music. That was, that was Jesus, man. Hell. I am, uh, I'm, I'm uh, David A. Price. Yes, you are. And straight from the rec department, I am Aziz Ansari. Oh, or oh, light Aziz. Aziz. No, when you said, when you said straight, I was going to. Out of Compton. Gonna, you were doing it straight out of Compton because they released that uh, trailer. That is true. That. that is really sweet looking. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. I. You know, who are these people? Aziz and Story is pretty awesome, though, too. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm thankful that you're not Crazy Kanye. Very thankful. Kanye. It's nuts, man. But no, you're Jason Wood, everybody. What's up? We're all in, the, all in the house. Kanye is crazy. He is. It's, and it's, you know it's, where... I don't know what's crazier, Beck winning that Grammy or, or, or Kanye's actions. <laughs> I had to laugh when, if, if a record falls in the forest and uh, nobody's around, <laughs> does it make a sound? Yeah, Dude, I saw funny. the most reductive like arguments in in favor of Beck too. Like, oh, he plays fourteen instruments, and Beyonce had four producers in her album. And I'm like, really? I'm like, we're, that's we're gonna start basing uh, aptitude now on by uh, uh, so we have to base it on the number of people involved in the album. Really? I mean, but rock bottom. If someone wins an award, get the fuck off the stage. It's not your no. Place. I, I not, agree. Not your I awards, agree. your place. Get off. Especially I, I don't care. He's been there, done that. Right, it's right. Like, and you see Jay-Z when he did it, he's just like, you really want to sleep with my wife, don't you? And that's, and that's everything. That's all it is. He just loves Beyonce. And he makes himself, well, I, I don't really care. This is, who cares? But you know where you can get uh, another kind of crazy, crazy low prices oh, on, on, on your comics? Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com, where you can get massive discounts on your favorite oh, stuff. Here. 
Ah, oh, that's classy. Such as <laughs> from the fine folks at Valiant, written by Jeff Lemire. Artist is uh, Miko Swayan, and Jeff Lemire is also doing uh, some pages for this thing. Our buddy Juan Doe has the cover art. Uh, it's published by Valiant. Like I said, it's Bloodshot Reborn, number one. They're, they're, uh, bringing back my second favorite character at the, in the Valiant universe. Cover price is the standard $3.99. Your price? $1.99. That's 50% off. Over at Dark Horse, DCBS is offering you the Ghost Fleet Trade Paperback Volume 1, written by Donnie Cates, uh, by Dan Johnson. The cover price, not bad, $14.99. Your price, $7.49. And from our good friends at Image, written by Justin Jordan. Art by Trad Moore. It's the Legacy of Luther Strode, number one. It's the third and, I believe, final miniseries in this tale. Cover price is $3.99. Your price? A buck ninety-nine. 50% off. There's only one place to go for comics. Where? Tell them. DCB Service. Yes. Discount Comic Book Service. DCBService.com. You're not going to find them cheaper anywhere. Seriously. Faux show. That's right. I believe Mr. Price has an extra super awesome thank you. I do. Yes, because I saw the picture and it's you're a lucky man. I, it's it's it was pretty pretty special. Um, I mean, aside from having a uh, a, a a specially designed uh, address label um, made by the he, artist, he does have an affinity for mail. He does. He does. M A I L, not. No, right. right. <laughs> oh no, no, that's dirty. It's, um, this is uh, a huge thank you to Mr. Gordon Adams, Gordo, Gordy. Uh, he, um, he, he sent me, we, we were texting back and forth, uh, last week, but, um, the, the, the box that I opened had, uh, had an original art of, uh, of one of my favorites, Iron Fist. Uh, in color on, uh, on toned paper, which looks really cool. I have a, a plastic Captain Marvel, um, Marvel, um, 7-Eleven, uh, cup from copyright 1975. Yeah. Those aren't easy to come no, by. No, no, this is, uh, so this is going on the desk. I have a, um, a, an old Playmates, uh, April O'Neil complete with her, uh, briefcase and video camera. Uh, in her yellow jumpsuit with the, uh, with the turtles on the back. I have some, um, I have two PVC, uh, mutants. I have a nightcrawler in, uh, in, in slouching, uh, action stance and a, uh, and a wolverine, uh, in, in the actual correct tan and brown suit, uh, yeah. in the, uh, <laughs> what? Do you know how old those are? I ordered those when I was still getting my books from Westfield. <laughs> Damn. That's a, that's a yeah, long time ago. Um, I'm going to have to zoom in and look at the, uh, look at the dates on, on, on Wolverine's took us. Um, but it is, yeah, they're, they're, they're not new. Um, so they're, they're going to get some love. And, and this was cool. A complete set. Actually, I haven't opened up the entire, um, Wow. Yeah, I know that's that's that's. I feel like a die a die in the little cup. Somebody's saying oh, that's it. That's it. That was uh, that was April's briefcase going back and pick up. This is the limited edition 
includes eleven bonus cards, and I haven't because it's nice and tight in this in, in this uh, in this box. But the 143 glossy cards, 22 stickers, complete collector's edition of from Tops 1989's Batman movie cards. Wow! And uh, I'm gonna. I had these at one point, but it'll be fun to uh, revisit that. But the the main thing that the reason why he he was um, he was texting me to, to send me something, he uh, he sent me a a ball cap, um, a flex fit ball cap uh, from uh, the Menage a Trois Vineyard, and it is it is a really snazzy looking black cap with the uh, with 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 the red logo and, and lettering and it 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 looks pretty good on me too so i'll be i'll be sporting that when we're out and about and hitting up the liquor stores but thank you so much gordon i, I really do appreciate all the, i i'll be staring at this stuff for the rest of the night gordo now let's pay it forward where could people hear and uh be um informed by Mr. Adams, who knows a whole lot about a whole lot of things. Where could they hear him? I believe that would be the Gordcast. Yes. Uh, at gordomatic.lipson.com. Um, he's, uh, he, he, the most recent episode, episode 89, um, which was, uh, well, put out on, uh, this is Thursday, February 12th. So, uh, right now, brand new. Gordo has a time machine. <laughs> sort of I knew future. there was something. <coughs> so, um, they talk about Kiss too, which is like a rarity on the Gordcast. It's, <laughs> it's really. <laughs> um, no, but he, uh, he is one of the nicest dudes also. I can't believe it. Episode 84, the photo for episode 84 is fucking striper. And, <laughs> oh God. Anyway, um, but there's also Iron Maiden in the show notes. So I don't know how to take this episode. Um, but no, he's, 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 one hell of a dude. He, uh, he's, he's, he's been a listener for a long time now. We have met him and, uh, and, and hung out and, and super talented dude, but, uh, yeah. he, he, and, and extremely generous. So thank you so much. Yeah. He's not just, he's not a listener. He's family. Yeah. He's a brother. All right. Roll call. Let's do this. Let's get into the comics. I'm itching because I've got a lot of good stuff to talk about. So much good comics. What are you drinking? Who? You. You're the Me? last one to talk. Yes. Oh, I see how it goes. Uh, I am drinking some Francis Ford Coppola Cabernet. Ah. Is that any good? It's delicious. Ah, there you go. I see, I can't... He gets it done. Well, he is Italian. Yeah. They, they have an affinity for the grape. And, and some uh, Jewish people do, and, too. And the Punan, too. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> what are you drinking, Vince? Yingling lager. Wow. Yeah, I needed a beer, so I'm drinking the, the beer. It was either this or Heineken, and I don't drink piss, so <laughs> I'll drink the Yingling. That's not true. I've been around you at conventions. That's after. Oh hours. my bad. Shh, don't tell. How about you, Mister Price? Uh, I am. Um, well, because of Gordon's generosity, and after yesterday, I, I kind of. Fucking needed to crack this open. I uh, I had a bottle of uh, Menage a Trois Midnight downstairs calling my name, so that is what I'm sipping on tonight. Nice, very good. Sipping on gin and juice. Should we open with um, an easy home run and talk about the uh, last episode of The Walking Dead? I think we all have seen it. Yes. I don't think Jason has. I mean, you can talk about it. I'm not going to watch it for a while, so. 
Oh, never mind. Then. No, please no. do, dude. Don't not talk about it. That's crazy. Well, first of probably, all, I already know the big thing that happens. I already t- remember we've okay. been talking about it, and it's again. I was not surprised since I've read the comic. So, by, by all means, go go crazy. No, I thought it was um, a huge improvement over the season finale, which I did not enjoy at all. Oh, the, well, this is the, this is the continuation of the fifth season. Right, right. Well, the mid-season okay. finale. I, I didn't like it at all. I just, well, we went into yeah. it way back, whenever we talked about it. But, um, I thought this episode was a huge improvement, made, it actually made sense. Yeah. You know, um, that they would risk their lives yet again just to get, um, everybody hates Chris back to, what is his name? On the show? Noah. Noah, yes. To get Noah back to his, um, home just to check and see if everybody was okay. Well, it wasn't, no, that, that, they, they went back there because they're, they're because there's Beth wanted much, Well, there's, right, they, he wanted, but he, he figured, listen, we're, we're, um, we're, we're safe, we're, 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 we're secure, we're, we're bunkered down in our, in our community, in our town. Nobody can, um, you know, we'll be safe there. So Rick's like, well, then fuck it. We'll be able to at least regroup or spend some time there for a while and um and it, it wasn't just to get Noah home but it was it was hopefully to find some some safe haven for a spell yeah but the they they actually made the trip i mean it's they drove what a couple hundred miles. a couple hundred miles because as as rick said beth wanted you know she told him she was going to come with noah to go back to us and she wanted to see him get back there i it was just a way to to I think for them to parse Beth's death. I mean, we didn't see Maggie at all the whole episode. No, we, 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 we saw Glenn for a second. We saw Daryl barely, but that was only because of the, uh, during the, this, during the, uh, at, at the gravesite. Um, a lot of guest stars. I thought it was, yeah, that was the, the best part of the episode was in, in the room. That was, I mean, we haven't really, I don't think we've kind of had that happen since, um, Rick was seeing Lori way back when. I we we don't get too many of these of these visions or um or crazy time um with with characters. It's kind of all happening in in real time and and in the moment and and to get a um a glimpse of what's going through someone's head. That that's different. I mean in the whole and the way the, the episode started off with you seeing scenes of what's going to happen, right? Which I thought yeah. was great. I, I I appreciated that. That 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 was different, and and I like that. Um, if I was Nicotero, he directed this one. I would have shot a shitload of footage um, using the governor and um, uh, Bob mm. and the two the two girls, and to make this a tradition. Like whenever somebody bites it. They should have those have that have preceded them come and make their presence. Uh, that that would be a nice touch, and you got to get those two little girls now because yeah, especially the still, live, yeah. this, while they're young, because then it's not going to make any sense if they're getting older and wherever they are, they're dead. They're not going to age. So keep it, you know. And uh, did you notice um, when they when Beth was playing the guitar, she had the friggin' bullet hole on, yep. her, on her forehead. <laughs> That's classy, man. <laughs> I when when Jason I was asking me, you know, if, if I was surprised or, or based on my reaction of it, there are a couple things. I mean, there's one I I like the character. 
Uh, are we just going to spoil it? Should we just say who died? Yeah. Okay. I, I like Tyrese and, and he even though he, he really wasn't cut out for this life, he, he lasted a while. Um, but he was the, uh, the most soft hearted of the group and, um, the most forgiving, I guess. And he, um, obviously, yeah. It, it, there are a couple of things that, that happened during this though, because here it is. It, it always strikes me odd when, um, I look at it from a, a, like a premiere point of view and it's like, Hey, we were away for a few months. We're coming back. Have everybody show up at work just to die in the first episode of the season. And then, you know, thanks for coming out. And, and it's like, but I was just, I thought I was going to be here for like a few months. And those little things still, they don't, they don't affect, they shouldn't play into, um, the story at all or, or, or how, you know, thinking about things. I don't want to think. Okay, there's eight episodes left and there's this many people and I wonder how many are going to make it to the end. I don't want to think that way, but it just, it's a little bit of a shock to know that they brought everybody back just to have somebody not make it past, uh, the, the next batch of episodes. And, right. But you'd be, you'd be fooling yourself if you didn't think Rita's and, uh, uh, Rick were above that. I, I think if there's two characters on the show that are untouchable, it, it's Rick and Daryl. I, depending on if they want to get out you know then okay it's it's you know all bets are off but if if they're comfortable in their position on this show those two aren't yeah there would be riots if if daryl well, was killed off. i was gonna say see i think daryl's the interesting one because he doesn't exist in the comics right so he's the one of the few deaths that will genuinely shock and surprise the comic readers now obviously the comic readers are a infinitesimal fraction of the people that watch the show so i mean I don't think they're caring much about shocking the comic readers, but I know based on all the people that are still alive, the only one that I'll be baffled by will be Daryl if he dies. Right, right. Um, one of the cool things for me, being old fart, uh, when they old. were in the bed, <laughs> yeah, when they were in the bedroom and, uh, yeah, Tyrese, up. Tyrese was, was talking to, uh, the guy he should have killed. Uh, from oh yeah um, yeah yeah Mark Terminus. If if you look on that that little nightstand behind him, there's an Aurora model, and it's it's the Forgotten Prisoner of Castlemare, which was made specifically for Famous Monsters of Filmland. Nice. Yeah, it was like one of the. Well, it was after the the first batch of Aurora models. Once they they caught on and they were selling like hotcakes, they had to make more. So that was a uh, it was that was the Famous Monsters one. And Nicotero put that in the background. There's no way that Noah, as young as he is, had that model unless he, you know, bought it way after the fact. Like, I, I'm just trying to formulate how this kid would have gotten that model, whether he, maybe if it was his father's. Yeah, then that makes sense. But Noah's way too young to have that model. But it was a nice little touch by Nicotero to put that in the background for all us, like I said, old farts who know that stuff. You know, that was really cool. And that, that was the, the part that really was like, Oh, I, I know what that is. And I'm watching, uh, everybody's around like, what? What are you talking about? They had no idea, but I thought the zombies were awesome in this episode. Amazing. Usually the, the, the head lopping gets done fairly quickly, but that last scene with the, well, I won't blow up for Jason, but there's a, 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 a special effect in the, in towards the end that, drags some stuff out and you really get a nice look at what's going on it was really cool yeah. awesome yeah thought, yeah i'll see it eventually but it, i thought it was a very very good episode good. i did too i mean I, and there's they 
we we didn't get a lot of um they didn't draw big speeches out or anything i mean michonne said her piece about wanting to stay and um you know rick and glenn were having a discussion about things and and but we didn't get it, it this was this was basically i guess for tyrese to say sayonara and and it was just it was all tyrese i mean it, it was you would i don't know how i feel about the whole sneak attack and and how he didn't um it's like something real. I must be missing something like that because he was really keyed in on the photos of the twins and how one was always smiling and one had this frown on his face. And he kept looking at the photos and then he was attacked. And and I would think that someone who has seen and done what he's seen and done, that would have not really happened. But his his guard was down and it did. And and uh and then Noah wasted no time. In, in taking care of his brother, which was a little, I, I thought he would have maybe not, not froze up, but wouldn't have been so quick to, uh, to do that. And, and, uh, it was really nice touch how he did it too. Yeah. I picked up the mollusk. Yeah. But he, yeah. uh, no, I, it, the, the episode was, um, the episode was surprising. And, and, uh, you know, I, because I did see the very end of, um, of, of Morgan and, and his travels, um, following Rick's group and, and finding the map where, um, that, uh, that Abraham had written down saying that, you know, Washington could use a Rick Grimes and leading you to think that Morgan's going to make his way to DC. And then at the end of this episode, um, the crew kind of figures out where they should be heading to. And it, it's, uh, some, I'm guessing we'll get, this season will be about getting to DC and then, uh, and then I'm, if, if it's true to form, well, they'll, they'll approach DC right as the season ends and, and it will take right. it from there. But now, now what was your take on the, the radio broadcasts? Were they, do you think they were real or, or was that just Tyrese hallucinating them? Oh, those, because, oh no, no, that was all, yeah, that was all in his head. Okay. Yeah. Oh. All right. Cause that's what I got the, I got the impression of that too, because there, it doesn't, it, we haven't seen any evidence, at least this far into the story that there's still any kind of broadcasting right. I mean, done. The, so. the, the dude was, dude was British. Right. And it was more like a fantasy and was, situation. And, and it too. was, it was almost as if it was when, when the outbreak was happening. Right. And, right. and that's. Because they were unclear on a lot of right. things. They, they, they're yeah. deliberately vague, but but you got enough of it where it's like, well, is this is this what's affecting elsewhere? But I, these are probably, I mean, because Tyrese was talking about how his father would not turn the news off, so it's he's probably remembering a newscast from when this was all going down. But it's it's um it wasn't no it wasn't real time. I I, I think it was just from his, it was it was real, but it it was from his past, and that's that's what he was remembering. Yeah. So let's make predictions. You know somebody else is going to bite it before the end of the season, or in in the in the episode that caps off the season. Yeah, but do you, if you, do have, you think that's fair for you or I to make a prediction since we know? I mean, <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know anything. I, I go in cold. No, I, I didn't, but you know again though you have you have subconscious knowledge because you know all the characters that are still alive on the show that are already dead in the comic. Up to issue a hundred, I do. Right, but that's plenty of characters still. All right. Well, I was going to say. Tyrese's sister, because know. now, because now she's pretty expendable. Oh well, well she's a non-factor anyway, so that's fine. Yeah, because I think I think 
I think she's a very strong actress and they're not going to want um, anyone taken like visually. She's beautiful. And show, so is Michonne. And so is Maggie. So you got you got all these beautiful women and, like and Abraham's piece and and the gay sister. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're, so I'm thinking, and she's she's relatively wet behind the ears. And now that her support system's gone and Bob is gone, then maybe there's, she'll, there's then, really, then she'll become Black Carol. Maybe she'll just have to. Yeah, I don't know. And I and and this is the other thing that this ties into, you know, whether or not people coming back to work for one day just to be killed off on a show. It it. I really don't want to see, I mean, if it makes sense for the story, fine, but, but, but we're down, we're, we're down another black character on the, on, on the show. Yeah. And, it's, well, and I mean, and, and, and again, it's not, I don't, I don't look at it and being like, oh, you know, they just want to keep white people around. I'm not, I, I don't want to open that bag or anything like that. I just, I, I don't want to think about someone else getting killed off just. Because in my head, that, that that's just how it kind of looks at, mm-hmm. at times. But it, it, well, it, it go ahead. I will say this: I the, I take back what I said earlier about the most shocking death. Daryl would be shocking, but the most shocking death would be Michonne. Mm-hmm. That would be that would have my jaw on the ground. Yeah. Well, I I had no idea they were going to do it to Beth. I think that was pretty shocking. But in in I don't think it would anywhere near the magnitude of of Michonne getting it. Yeah, that would, would be, be crazy. That yeah. But, um, you know who, and I changed my opinion. You know who I would really love to see dead slowly and painfully? The priest. The priest. Oh, I he's want gone. Him. He won't. The other problems. Yeah. Yeah. I want, I, I want him to do a, a Joe, uh, Pilato from, uh, Day of the Dead and watch, have him be conscious as the zombies separate his torso from his legs. You know what I mean? Right. If you if you've seen uh, Day of the Dead, uh, he's going joke on him, and they're pulling him apart, and he's still alive. I want the priest to be screaming like a little <laughs> Did bit. Did you guys uh, right? hear about that story with um, with Maggie, the actress who plays Maggie, driving home from uh, the set? She was covered in fake blood, oh. and she got pulled over for speeding. Oh, oh my she god! Comes up to the car, and she's covered in blood, and he freaks out. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You would think like she, you know she wouldn't she have a driver what coming, oh, hey, coming or wherever they film I don't know with no why why would she have a driver uh, but com, coming from the set why not no because she's they should have like a, tr- a a bus a little tiny Walking Dead bus <laughs> and they just take them all home I would imagine <laughs> like a school bus to L A have you ever driven around L A dude I've yeah well, no, long um, a long time I don't ago. I don't know how much is I don't know how much is filmed in L A what what's in post production or anything but when um. One of the few Talking Deads I still had on after the show ended um, was when Beth, the end of last, the end of the first half of the season, and um, Hardwick was talking about the process of you know knowing when when your time on the show is over and 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 what else you have to do. And she was talking about how she had to she um she had to make she had to let her landlord know that you know her her. She'd have to break her lease in the apartment and whatnot. So they, they do live, I guess, in Georgia, um, where they're filming most of it. So I mean, yeah, I don't, it may have been LA, but it, it's, but again, if well, they're in LA or wherever, I'm just saying, I mean, of course they're going to drive themselves. They're not right. You know. it, that, that, that's that, right. I'm, I'm backing you up on that. Yeah. I'd, I'd want to drive her. Beth is 21, right? I think so. She's super fine. I just had, I just had, she, she is cute. I don't know. Oh, fine. She's, she's cute. Fine. No, yeah. I disagree. I mean, Maggie's super fine. 
Yeah. Yeah, she is too, but I think, mm, uh, let's, I, let's just, let's just move I on. I yeah. over Beth to for many, many other women. Yeah. <laughs> hey, what can I say? <laughs> All right. Can you talk about comics, comics now or? Yeah, let's talk about some comics. Are you feeling left out? Nah, you know, just, we didn't talk about <laughs> last week because we had a guest. It's like, oh, let's talk about TV. Why don't we talk about, oh, my bad. Let's talk about <laughs> comics. Sorry, I'm just, I'm like a reformed sex addict when it comes to TV. That is reformed. See, we have, and so, because we just finished talking about Walking Dead, I'll, I'll, um, I'll holster my, uh, my lost discussion for another week, then that's fine. Yeah, I think you should. Make it two. Oh, stop. <laughs> well, to be honest, you know, you recapping lost on the Facebook Messenger, I can't believe how much of the show I've just forgotten. <laughs> No, I mean, I don't, I just don't remember a lot of it. I, like you, you mentioned stuff and I'm, I vaguely mean something, but I, I don't remember the chronology. Okay. I, I, there's a lot of it I, I forget, which is, which is, I guess it was such a complex show that. Yeah, no, we'll, 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 yeah, no, we'll, we'll definitely waste some time on it in the future. Cool. All right. Comic bookles. Let's talk about nice. it. Nice. Jason, I want to hear something out of you. Oh, cause you I got know. something that absolutely, you know, every now and then you come across something that, uh, you weren't necessarily looking for and uh you give it a try and it just is such a pleasant surprise and you're so pleased uh <laughs> in this case it was uh that's what happened to me this week i read the first trade of the uh new harley quinn series by amanda connor and jimmy palmiotti and chad harden it's uh actually a hefty trade it collects issues 0 through 8 it's 220 pages. Wow. And it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal, guys. I loved it. Loved every page of this freaking <laughs> Now I gotta read it. I, I, I have it. It's, it's on the iPad. I, I, I have it from Comixology. Thank you. And I, I just, but I have not, I haven't cracked it open yet. I figured there are a few things I'm gonna hold off until next week, but I'll, now you got me champing at the bit. Someone, I forget who, so apologies, but someone on our forums mentioned when I meant, when I said I was going to try it out, they said, you know, as a Deadpool fan, they think I would really like it. And they're so right. This is, I came away from this trade thinking somehow, some way in the future, Amanda and Jimmy have to write Deadpool because this is the kind of Deadpool comic that I fell in love with years and years ago. And I haven't seen in a long time, which is not to say that Posehn and Duggan are doing a good job right now on Deadpool, but, but this was just so much fun. And let me tell you, the MVP of this book, Chad Harden, this bastard can draw his ass off. I mean, I, I don't, I don't know if he's done stuff before this. I, I presume he has, but I'm not familiar with his work up until this point. And admittedly, I was a little reluctant to try this in the first place because of two things. One, um, I, I don't have much exposure to Harley Quinn as a character, and what I have seen of her hadn't been that interesting in the, in the, in the, in the vein that she just kind of played, you know, the crazy, vapid Joker's girlfriend. And, and that, that didn't seem very interesting to me. Um, and then secondarily, I, I, I was bummed that Amanda wasn't drawing the book. You know, I mean, um, I, I thought, well, why have Amanda Connor on a book that she's not going to draw? And, uh, I feel like an imbecile for thinking that because Hardin is phenomenal. <laughs> He's got such great comedic chops and he's definitely from Connor's school in that the facial expressions are just, they're fantastic. They're so expressive. And it just, the, the, I don't know where the zero issue 
was for, I don't know if it was digital or, um, you know, included in some other book. I have no idea, but the zero issue is like comics perfection. It opens with Harley, uh, in a, um, a storage closet talking to herself and she's talking about how she's going to get her own comic book. And, uh, there's a narrator, which is Jimmy and you, you can, you know, but it's, it's the nameless sort of voiceless person in her head, but it's Jimmy Palmiotti. And, uh, Hardin draws the, the first few pages and, and they're talking about, well, if I'm going to have my own comic, who's going to draw me? And then for the whole issue, each page is drawn by a different artist. And the artist, it's, it was clearly a Marvel method where they had the artist draw the page and then they got it back to Amanda and Jimmy and Amanda and Jimmy filled in the word balloons after the fact. And they made like total fun of every artist that, that did a page. So there's one, um, like the, the first one is by is by Becky Cloonan, and and Harley's like, well, why did Becky Cloonan draw me shooting my own band? Uh, then there's like there's there's uh, there's Tony Daniel, and then um, they uh, you know they they kind of make fun of how serious he is and how how uh, you know how it uh, it wouldn't really work for the book, and, and then they have her um, riding a dolphin and jumping onto a a, a, a um, like a, a yacht. And it's, uh, it's by Panosian, which is great. <gasps> Panosian yeah. is fantastic. He looks phenomenal in this book. There is, um, I mean, dude, Panosian's channeling, uh, is Jack Davis. I mean, it, it looks like Jack Davis. It's, uh, if you had told me, if you had told me after you showed me this page that it was Jack Davis, I would have believed it. It's, well, yeah. you need to pick up, uh, Conan Red Sonia then. Yeah, uh, I need to. Because he's, he's doing the same thing on that. Then there's a, um, there's a Walt Simonson page. Where he draws her in a Japanese gi with with shooting stars and uh, and, and like it's hardly di- and she's like this Simonson's guy is not one for backgrounds but his signature sure is impressive. <laughs> uh, then they do a Jim Lee one and the funny thing is is apparently it's a uh, it's a, a reprint. So Harley's like Jim Lee, you got him to draw a page of me in my own book. How did you pull that off? And then you hear Palmiotti say it wasn't that easy. That's for sure. And then she's like, wait a minute, I've seen this page before. I shoot upwards and those sandbags hit Batman on the head and I come on his number. Oh my God, this is a reprint. And, uh, it's just great. Like, and, and then they make a joke about how, um, the sandbags were filled with Jim Lee's quarterly royalty payments. So they should keep Batman out, out for the count for a while. <laughs> Jim Lee could never do this book because he could never handle a monthly schedule. Uh, ah. like it's just great. Then they have a Darwin, they have a Darwin Cook page. They have, um, a Bruce Tim page. Where Harley is, is drawn to look like the, uh, you know, the Harley from the cartoon. And she's, she's naked and a book's kind of covering her breasts. And, uh, they make a joke about his, you know, his, his, his penchant for inappropriate, uh, you know, nudity. And, uh, it's just great. Like it goes, it goes, it just, uh, Charlie Adlar draws a page. Um, then they make, they, they, it's just so much fun how these artists are willing to pick, poke fun of themselves. They have an Adam Hughes page, but the top half of the page is just blue lines. <laughs> it's just blue lines. And she's like, hey, what's with this blue pencil? And, and, and they say, well, it's not like Adam Hughes didn't have time to do a whole page, you know, and it's like, uh, how could he possibly keep a monthly schedule? And it's just great. Like the whole thing is just, they have, a, uh, an Art and Franco page. They have a Tread Moore page where they reenact, um, um, Harley and, uh, uh, Poison Ivy play the film and Louise. And, uh, it's just, it's just brilliant. It's just so, so well done. And of course, it eventually culminates in, uh, the Harden, uh, art again, um, 
where in kind of which is just a really clever way of introducing Harden to the fact that he's going to be doing the series. Oh, there's a, Vince is a Sam Keith page where they draw the Joker as this crazy um, tentacled monster that's like Keith Harley. Um, so yeah, it's just an absolute home run of a, of a zero issue. I mean, that's when if 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 someone needed a textbook about what a zero issue should be like, this is it because it, it introduces the character in the series and it draws you in wholly and completely and it sets the tone for the book. Uh, and then from there, um, it, it's, it's a pretty cool status quo. Um, Harley inherits a four story, a four story, uh, brownstone in Brooklyn from one of her old patients and she moves into it and it's, it's, you know, it's this amazing place, but of course she has to come up with the money to pay for the place because there's, uh, so she has to come up with $6,000 a month. So she has to take on multiple jobs. So by day she is, um, she's a psychologist by night. She, uh, is a roller derby, uh, teammate. And all the while she is getting in every issue, getting attacked by myriad mercenaries. And so there's a backstory about who has a, a bounty out on her. Um, and, uh, and, and why poison Ivy comes to live with her. Um, she has one of the floors dedicated to a bunch of animals that she rescued. Don't ask very crazy. Um, and it's just all this fun, interesting stuff. There's an arc where, uh, one of the old people that, that works in the, uh, in the, in the, that lives in the, uh, old age home where she's a psychologist, uh, turns out to be an old cold war spy named, uh, named, uh, his name, he's a Jewish guy named Cy. And so he's known as Cyborg because he's got a, a fake <laughs> arm and a leg. And so he's in a wheelchair, but it's like a souped up cyborg wheelchair. And he needs, before he dies, he wants to, um, get revenge on these eight Russian spies that caused him to be crippled in the first place. So he and Harley go out taking out these geriatric, uh, assassins one, one by one. It's just brilliant. It's so much fun. It's pure comedy and action all rolled into one. It's, it's easily the most fun, surprising book I've seen in, in, in years, frankly. So I, I can't say enough how much I enjoyed this book. And Hardin's art is just to die for. It's, it's, it's perfectly, I mean, he is from the whole EC school. He, 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 he deserves to be, um, considered one of their modern day proteges and, and the work is, is jaw dropping. So I, I home run, I, anyone that is, a, if you're not a fan of comedy books, this isn't for you. But if you like a little humor in your books, this is absolutely a grand slam book. So hmm. yeah, Harley Quinn, you know, vol, a trade paperback volume one, uh, issue zero through eight. It's, it's just terrific. And it's reasonably priced too. It's like seventeen ninety nine, I think, or or it's it's not the the price is not in line with how many issues you get. Yeah, it's a it's a bargain. Yeah. Yeah, Harley's crazy. She's got a pet pet dachshund. She's got a half burnt pet beaver, which of course makes for plenty of jokes when she, when people are talking about her beaver. Um, I the, she the Harden draws Harley to be super super sexy, at, at, but not in like a lascivious like like like. Finch way, you know, like not like <laughs> it's, no, it's cartoony. It's much more like Amanda Connor, right? Where she's voluptuous right. and, and there's a sexual overtone, but it's not, it's, 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 it's not from the vein of like, so that like a fanboys can look at it and fap to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's not Bud Root. Yeah, exactly. Right. Exactly. right. Uh, right. And, and Poison Ivy, it's, it's, it's now adapt. She doesn't have green skin, but, <laughs> but she does have these awesome green vine tattoos all over her body. Right. Which is ridiculous. Um, they've, she's got a side, there's all these crazy people that live in the building too. There's a, uh, a, a, a like a midget, uh, or a little person, I guess they say these days, um, that, that turns out to be, uh, like one of, her, one of her allies. Um, and, and by the end of the arc, you, you, by the end of the, the volume, you, you find out who's, 
who's had the hit out on her. But I don't want to spoil that because it's a pretty big reveal. And uh, and the best part about it, frankly, no Joker. No, it's not like this is not about her being Joker sidekick. Like there's there's one or two flashbacks to when she was Joker's girl, but but it's not it's not what this is about. This is about her doing her own thing on her own, and it's uh, it's just a lot of fun. Hmm. Let's keep it in the comedy zone for a little while, because I think we all read this certain book, um, Ant Man number one. Oh, sure, of course. David. Yes. Nice. Written by Nick Spencer, illustrated by Ramon Rosanas. Uh, Jordan Boyd did the color art. Mark Brooks did the cover, but there is a number of covers from which to choose on this thing. I think Ed McGuinness, um, and, uh, Marte Gracia did one. Jason Pearson, Chris Somney and Matt Wilson, La Roca, and, uh, Israel Silva did one. Andy Park. And you had one from the God That's Among fair. Men him, himself, Mr. Scotty Young. Uh, this is not the Ant-Man, um, the reprehensible Eric O'Grady Ant-Man, although Scott Lang isn't exactly squeaky clean. Um, he's pretty much down on his luck when the book opens. He's divorced, unemployed. He has a criminal record, uh, a daughter, teenage daughter named Cassie, who uh, has medical issues yeah. or, or, or has had them in the past. See, that was one of the reasons why um, Mr. Lang has a criminal record because in order to do right by the people he loves, he would, um, let's just say, step over the line and uh, he would steal. Uh, he would break into places. He would just try to make ends meet. Um, not a bad dude. Um, he, he's not one of the, you know, Sinister Six, but he's not exactly uh, uh, Mr. Straight and Narrow. But he's trying to do better. He's trying to reform. Um, and he goes on a job interview at Stark Industries. They, they have a position open for the head of security solutions. And he figures, I, I'm a shoe in because what better person to guard your, your IP or your, your, you know, your valuables than a person who has spent a large part of his existence trying to steal those things? And, uh, the interview is, not stacked in his favor. He has to go up against a number of, uh, well, I'll just call them what they are, prodigies, including prodigy himself, Mr. David Allen from the uh, New Mutants and Young Avengers. Uh, Victor Mancha's in there, the cyborg. Young the X-Men, runaways. but go ahead. I thought, um, what are you talking about, prodigy? Yeah, prodigy, yeah. Uh, he was New Mutants, right? It was Young no, X-Men. New, it wasn't the young, New Young X-Men, New X-Men, yeah. Oh, okay. And... Um, my favorite from the uh, Superior Foes of Spider-Man, Janice Lincoln, the female Beetle. And it was pretty cool, but poor Scott, uh, Tony approaches him and he basically tells him, you know what, <laughs> dude, I, I really like you. I think you're, you're, you're all right, but I'm, I'm, I'm banking on you to fail. You're a loser. You can't really keep any kind of team affiliation. He goes, well, look at my resume. I've I've worked with the Avengers and and the Fantastic Four. And he's like, yeah, it worked. Past tense. Yeah. You you can't stick oh, around. Sure. You have you have, you have no staying power whatsoever. Um, and uh, true to form, Mister Lang takes the matter into his own hands and does something not exactly legit to uh, to complete the task. I won't say exactly what it is because I think that's a pretty big part it's the fun part of the issue um tony's being tony and while he's 
you know, in that zone, Scott takes it upon himself to uh, make good use of Tony's time and wins the challenge, so to speak. Uh, but it really doesn't end well for Mr. Lang because, um, you know, something happens with the ex-wife and the daughter that forces him to make a decision. And, and you'll find out what that decision is um, at the end of this issue. I have to admit that uh, as far as his solo work is concerned, I'm not a colossal Nick Spencer fan. You did like Superior Foes. I did. I loved Superior Foes, which was the anomaly up until this. Mm. But like Morning Glories, nah, son. Uh, no, <laughs> I, I did. I, I I read. I read. I I gave it the uh, you know a, a pretty wide uh, berth, but I couldn't make it past like issue seven. Um, but this, I thought the first issue was absolutely magnificent, and I'm, I was. I said to David, I really hope that they tweak the movie to be in line with this first issue. I mean, I know it's a long shot, but I hope that they keep the humor and the action on an even keel. That's what was perfect about this issue. The dialogue, and there was a lot of it. It's not a quick read. Uh, the dialogue was absolutely phenomenal. It was funny. There was inside jokes. There was fan service. Like um, Scott Lang's daughter uh hates hates the Hunger Games because it's a it's a cheap ripoff of Battle Royal. The original um you know the more arty the more artsy version of 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 that that kind of scenario that battle royal that uh Hunger Games completely ripped off. And and that I mean I feel the same way. But you know he's speaking to the fans through this character and I just thought it was it was brilliant. It was really well done. The art by uh Rosanas is superb it is and it's so clean and and it's pretty without being flowery there's not a lot of noodling he just uses those lines to delineate what he has to he's got a real tight command on on um the characters and the folds in the fabric and the 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 backgrounds are, are gorgeous and it's all super clean line there's which means there's nothing to hide behind there's no shadows. There's no none of that. Uh, well, I'm going to use Photoshop to just throw these backgrounds in, and I'll 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 hit it with the stamp or the the you know a filter here or there, and nobody will know. It's 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 not that. He draws everything. And the uh, everybody's expression tells you what they're thinking or what they're saying. It it's not uh, there really aren't too many blank stares. It's not um, no one is just really. A mannequin. Everybody uh, yeah. has an expression. And, and a lot of it reminds me of Barry Kitson. Yeah, I was thinking Wahaha uh, Justice League. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. It it has. Um, yeah, well, it hits that, that that tone. Yeah, but there wasn't any mugging. Like um, it's like it it it's like blue and gold without booster gold. It's just like if it was just Blue Beetle. Yeah, yeah, and it there there the story was well thought out too because. Um, when Scott wins the uh, the competition and, and becomes the head of of um, security at, at Stark, he's given a couple perks for the job, and one of them is a uh, super high tech room with a giant TV, and it's all you know comfortable. And it, it, it was Tony Stark, so it's Tony. Said, you know, I'm not here very often, so you can you can use the place. Like, why let it go to waste? And something happens at the end of the issue that mirrors that instance but in a in a typical scott lang 
you know, uh, perpetual loser kind of way. It's, it's, it's almost sad, but, and, and funny at the same time. Yeah. Yeah. I thought it was freaking great issue. I, I was stunned. It, 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 I, it wasn't like I was even reading it. It was like I was eavesdropping on these characters. And I think that's a, that's one of the best compliments I can give it. That it, it just seemed totally natural. It, it was like it, it, it just grew. Like it wasn't even the work of, of, uh, a writer or, or an artist. I was just, I was fly on the wall as, as, as these events were, were transpiring. That was fantastic. Jason, your, your, your mom. Well, no, I mean, uh, let me, I'm mom because, you know, from our chats this week, I, I, I didn't share your guys' enthusiasm for the issue and I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to harsh your groove. No, that's okay. I mean, you just got to be honest, right? That's, well, that's first of all, I, I think you guys are right. So, I mean, Rosanna's art is terrific. I, I think it looks yeah. great. Um, and, and again, my my issues with the issue aren't uh, aren't necessarily um, like from a an academically critical perspective. It was just choices that Spencer made, which clearly worked for you. That that just didn't work for me. Um, I I I can't stand that they've made Cassie a, a kid again. Like a, like that 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 bugs the shit out of me. Um, cause I've loved her in Young Avengers. So right. I don't understand. She was, she was, she was, she was a member of the Avengers, a stature. She was dead. Now she's back and she's a kid. So I mean, again, I, I know that's what? just storytelling choice and I think that does reflect the movie and all that. And that's fine. But, but for me, it didn't resonate. Um, clue me in as to when that happened during, uh, Children's Crusade. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, I thought the choices he made that led to that end scene while, while cute were poor i thought they were indicative of being a really dumb bad father i, I think that, uh, <laughs> i think again for for the issue i think the issue was trying to leave us thinking this guy was was uh putting his life together and making not being a screw-up anymore and i would argue that the choices he made in terms of what he where he went with her and what they're doing is is something that any real parent would never do if they really love their kids so um so i thought that was disingenuous it was Trying to get us to believe he was on on this one path, but yet his actions belie that entirely. Um, and and well, he he did um, go against the wife's wish exactly, wishes. Exactly, exactly. Right. Yeah. Which which one would argue? I think her her wishes were reasonable and, and for her, for the best for Cassie. Uh, and uh, and and I I I dug the Tony stuff, but I I think that uh, um, I think that uh, it was I don't know. It was a little. It was a little contrived, like I, in the sense that I saw it coming a mile away. But, uh, but again, I can't fault it that much because lots of comics, every you know, you read enough comics, you see lots of stuff coming a mile away. So, so yeah, I mean, I look, I, I, I don't want to. This is sounding like I hated. I didn't hate it at all. In fact, I'm, I'm looking forward to reading the second issue this week. Um, but, uh, but I, this was not, as far as first issues go, this is not one that really pulled me in. This is not one that I said, oh boy, they got something here. I, um. When I, I, I was telling Vince before we started tonight that um, I, th- I like the first issue a lot more than the second. And, oh, okay, interesting. Um, it's it, it, the last couple of pages. It, it reminds me of the um, the Green Arrow Black Canary wedding special, where it was it was the perfect one shot as long as you didn't read the last three pages. And I thought, and and like you, Jason, you, know, you get to the end and you're like, well, that was. I think that could have. Ben, you could have thought that through a little better. Uh, the first half with, with him trying to get the job or the first three quarters of the book, I, I enjoyed it a lot. Um, when I'm reading the second issue, I'm, I'm getting a little bit more of that Eric O'Grady rub and, and that is not, 
Uh, <laughs> I mean, not, not, not completely like, okay, I'm going to go hang out in the shower, in a girl's shower room so I can maybe get, you know, a gander at, at Miss Marvel's tits. It's, he's not, he's still, you know, Scott Lang is still trying to do, Everything he's doing is is because he wants to be there for his daughter and and he wants to to provide for her and and show his wife, his ex wife, that I'm not a complete fuck up. And I I get that. So you could still be, you know, you 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 might want to be a hero. You just may kind of go about it the wrong way. Whereas Scott Lang just was completely selfish, was in it for himself, didn't give a shit about anybody, um, just as long as he could get away with with whatever he wanted to get away with. Scott Lang is not like that. And, and I like some things about Scott Lang, but when I get to the end of the first issue and read more of the second issue, I, that's not the Scott Lang that I'm really keen on reading. And, and, uh, and I, when you read the second issue, you'll, you'll, you'll tell me if that's, you know, if, if that was more of, of that character or if, um, if maybe I was just reading too much into it because Lang, uh, O'Grady is mentioned in, in the issue, but, and that's not a turnoff. It was just, and it was a great conversation, but again, the way, the way he's, um, he's trying to build this business, that's where it's starting to lose me a little bit and, and why I really like the first issue and, and, um, like that would have been a fantastic one shot and, and, you know, to get you set for, for the movie or something, but, um, because they're trying to establish the character. And what's interesting is that they're also, um, I mean, aside from making sure that they remind you that, 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 that Tony Stark is a dick by, you know, knocking, uh, Star Trek fans. They, the, the, the whole, um, of getting the heroes out of New York City continues. I, we, we've had, we've got a bunch of characters out on the West Coast, uh, Ghost Rider, Daredevil, and, and now we're going to have people down in the, um, well, I don't know about people, but we have uh, Ant-Man in the Southeast. So it's like it's that seems to be a little bit more apparent these days is, is that we're not having uh, New York City, the main hub of, of where all all the characters hang out. Um, but I thought I, I, the bulk of the first issue I, I thought was great. It, it looks amazing. The second issue still looks amazing. Uh, there's some things that are um that you know what I don't even want to say that it's it's the character making wrong decisions because as I think about the second issue more I think that's where some of my um not so fondness of Nick Spencer comes into play I think this is mostly Spencer's I think it's Spencer's fault as to why I don't love it as much as I should not the character but the writer putting the character in his situations or saying these things I would not do what he did at the end of the first issue either. I mean, like Jason said, as a parent who really cares about the welfare and, and well-being, and especially the, the emotional well-being of his daughter, I would not do that either. But from what I got out of this first issue, that Scott Lang is a man that follows his heart, not necessarily his head. Right. So uh, in that respect, he would run towards his daughter because he just he just wants to be with her and he you know he's got that uh, the the court says he gets one thing and he just doesn't seem to care he wants another thing he wants to be with his daughter i can understand that yes i mean I, i mean it's not the was not the right decision but for him 
being of an emotional person and one that you know follows his heart, it works. Yeah, I think for that's me. fair. That's a fair counterpoint. Yeah, um, I thought the resume gag was funny. Yes, oh, he, uh, that, was, he, that was good. That was. He, he printed printed a two sided resume because Kinko he only had so much on, on his Kinko's card. I love that card. Tony's he, getting ready to hit them them Beetle skins. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's not it's not surprising, it's right? Awesome. Um, yeah, um, I, I just a lot of a lot of the jokes in it were very subtle. Yeah, I think David, which I thought I think David hit it far more eloquently than than I did but but he nails it which is that I was grooving with the issue and that's probably why I, w- I was willing to come back for issue number 2 up until the end. The end just kind of just took me to a place I didn't want to go. So so yeah, I, I do think if you if you the first 17 pages are hmm. quality stuff for me. But wasn't it funny the end in a pathetic kind of way? It was. I mean again, <laughs> I, again it was there was I mean the moment itself was cute and it was cleverly drawn and like it's it's all goodness in that regard. It's just I I, it is a character-driven book, right? You're supposed to care about this guy, and 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 it just felt false to me in the sense that the whole issue we're being led to believe that he's he's finally going to get his shit together, and then it's like, no, I guess he didn't. And maybe that's the point of this. Maybe that's going to be the point of the of the book. Yeah, that that's, that that's, no matter what, he can't quite get his shit together, and then that's fine. That's the hook. Yeah. Um, fingers crossed that the movie kind of mirrors this. I well, see, I have. I have faith in Paul Rudd. I think he'll be able to definitely pull off the um the funny bits. He um judging by the few seconds in the trailer that that we see him shirtless, it looks like he's gonna play the part pretty well. He's gonna look it. Um and of course Evangeline Lily is is shown kicking his ash slash training him. So it's there's gonna be plenty to look at uh as far as the movie goes. I it's it's going to be more different feel more different look more different than any other marvel movie including guardians of the galaxy i um i you know i don't want to say my fingers are crossed i i just i'm optimistic i mean they they have enough credit with me but i don't i don't look at ant-man with who's in it that uh and and think that um they're not going to to succeed or, or they're not going to be able to replicate what um how the character appears in in their current comics i'm nervous as hell about the ant-man movie really okay no i mean just in this i mean i i I shouldn't be because marvel's batting a thousand but i i i i worry this is going to be one that uh i don't think they're capable of having a commercial flop right now because everything they've touched is gold but i i i worry this is going to be one that uh that doesn't resonate as universally but 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 again i i that's it's just a gut a gut feeling. It's not it's not a um, it's not based on anything empirical or scientific. I just I, I worry about this. I, I don't. I guess I'm just not. You don't you don't want to over you don't want to overreact to any any trailer or whatever. But I, I haven't I haven't been vibing with what I've seen so far. Well, I think similar sentiments were um, in play with the first Iron Man too. So we'll see. No, I mean, that's look true. What they, yeah, that's true. Look, look what they do with that. We'll see. Yeah, that's fair. I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic. Even more so now that, um, Peter's back where he belongs. Oh yeah. I was, not, <laughs> I, was I was, I can't believe we went, uh, an hour without talking about that news. Wow. Yeah. That's David's baby. Yeah. David, Go what ahead, do you David. think? Of course, we're talking about the fact that Sony and, and Disney have come to an agreement. It will allow for Spider-Man to appear in the Marvel cinematic universe and, um, and I guess also Marvel and Kevin Feige will have a hand in 
along with Amy Pascal in producing uh, new Spider-Man movies with a, a, a yet another relaunch with a new yeah. new Spider-Man and all that. But uh, but I guess there are really two sides of it. The first being that we'll we'll see Spidey now in the Marvel U again, and uh, I guess the other side is is another reboot on the Sony side. So what do you think? You're you're the Spider-Man. Uh, it's uh I it, it is bittersweet. It's um be, well it's great that uh the character, the Marvel's Flash character will be where he 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 should be, shoulder to shoulder with with Iron Man and Cap and Thor. Um and it it is nice knowing that it if you're in if you're watching the Disney cartoons on on Disney XD, if you're watching anything, you're reading anything, um you know these characters do coexist and and for you know we've had five Spider-Man movies where he's the only hero in New York City and and to be able to um mention other characters or events from the Marvel movies in a Spider-Man movie even if you don't see Thor show up um will be neat and and, and that includes the um you know, the, the Netflix series and, and whether or not, you know, you'll have Jessica Jones mention her crush on Peter Parker on, on her show. Um, now I think you're almost downplaying it a little bit. Um, be, because it's, it's the return of the single greatest Marvel character ever created. Yeah, no, bat, bat. <laughs> no, no, seriously. I'm, I'm not talking books because we know what that goes to. Right. But the single greatest Marvel character is Spider-Man. There's no debate. There is absolutely no debate. <laughs> right. Jason, you you can go off for hours. I'd be like, nah, son, it's not true. <laughs> right. There's no debate in your mind. That's fine. No, but Peter Parker slash Spider-Man is the best Marvel character. And it he should be in that cinematic absolutely. universe. Absolutely. I, I, yeah. I do not dispute that at all. That, that is absolutely true. That what, 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 what bums me out is, um, is that I thought, I thought Andrew Garfield was fantastic as Peter Parker as Spider-Man. I it, it it hurts knowing that he's not going to be part of this new yeah. moving forward. He was, he was good. He was good. Yeah, I was better than sucked. Toby. Right, but it just sucks that the the, the movies he was in weren't all that. Yeah, great. that's what I was going to say. I mean, I made a joke uh, on Facebook and where to go about it up. I I, <laughs> I I think Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone were were great in their roles. Uh, yes. No question about it. But I. I think that was one of the, and again, I know David disagrees, but for me, the Garfield Spider-Man films were, um, the, the, the sum was lesser than the, uh, than the parts. I, I think the films, especially the second one were borderline train wrecky versus what I thought were a bunch of really well cast actors and actresses. I I think that was brilliantly cast and poorly, poorly directed. Yeah, yeah. I I don't think they were horrible films per se. No, well, I think the first one wasn't horrible at all. I think the second one was was yeah, especially on rewatch. I think that the second one when I rewatched it, I was it was I found myself struggling to keep 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 it on. There's just way too much going on. There is, which which you know we they they, that usually happens when when you start throwing in extra um, villains and 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 add more characters as the film goes on. We you. You had you had a villain. You didn't need to tack on um, the Green Goblin at the end to to get rid of another character. It, it's um, well, I think that was just like a desperate bid to get the Sinister Six into the movies. They they ha- you have that. to st- 
you have to establish a precedent like the you know your your um your goblin your electro okay we had with rhino like so what are we going to do well let's let's put them all together and introduce a couple more in the next movie and we'll make even more money I, I i don't i think the less is more man if your villains are as good as um green goblin the green goblin is really all you should need to 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 sell a movie if it's written and acted and you know if it's scripted right why would you need more than one villain the batman only needed the, the damn joker right you know, it's, it's, it's just this, this Hollywood mentality of, Hey, why not another villain, a couple more million dollars. It's not just the way it works. I think the, um, I think the deal is interesting on, on how everything plays out, who gets paid for what. And it, it's, um, you know, no one, um, Marvel isn't paying Sony to put like Spider-Man in civil war, um, or any of the other movies. And, um, and Marvel won't receive a cut of Sony's box office takes that for films that feature Spider-Man. So whereas, you know, people were wondering if, if Marvel's paying Sony for anything, if, if Sony's paying Disney for anything, it was just, this is, it, it's mutually beneficial. It sounds like to me. Well, I'm, con- I'm confused. Marvel can use Spider-Man in their movies. Yes. But they won't Sony- pay Sony for using Spider-Man. Right. Okay. But Sony's still going to make Sony is still mm-hmm. producing. Yeah, yeah Sony's, Sony's still, still doing still everything. Yeah. Yep. But is Marvel going to have a, a creative input in, yeah, into Kevin the Sony Yeah, Kevin Feige movie? is yeah. going to be one of the – he and Amy Pascal, who up until this past week was the head of Sony Pictures. She's now uh, retired from that role, and she's going to be a producer. Her and Kevin okay. Feige are going to produce the, 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 the next Spider-Man yeah, movie. Cause, 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 okay, so they have veto options then. Like if they want to go with 12 villains, they, they – Well, no, say, I don't know because – I don't – and again, this is – there may be an answer to this, but as I read it – Kevin Feige's going to co-produce with Amy Pascal. It's not a Disney thing. Like Kevin right. Feige's got a production deal. Like he's going to be the right. producer. Mm. Well, we can always pretend that those movies don't exist and just go with the stuff in the it's, cinematic right. universe. Right? No, seriously. It's, it's, yeah. cause, cause, now, what's what's not clear is are they going to have? Have they said whether well, they'll have a different actor play Spidey uh, in uh, the Sony's versus the Marvel stuff? I don't think so. I think I think the same actor will play. But and that's which is fine because they haven't. Um, the, the Sinister Six is still supposed to be coming out as well as Venom. Amazing Spider-Man 3 has been canceled. Um, but because of how, because of the timeline and everything, you could have Spidey show up in Civil War or even, you know, at the end of, and, and, and the, the bonus section at, at the end of Age of Ultron, but it could just be, you know, CGI, he could be swinging through the sky and, and you don't need an actor in that case. Um, can you imagine the eruption when you're sitting there watching, like, say, Black Panther and, and they, they show a, a shot of just Spider-Man? Cause they, they reworked the release schedule for a bunch of movies, yeah. not just Civil War. No. Yeah. Well, they moved Black Panther up actually. And, but. and Thor, and they moved Thor back. I think they moved yeah. him to like from July to like November. But I, I, I just, I cannot wait. So we can see um, a, a you know letterbox shot of Captain America, Thor, Tony Stark, and fucking Spider Man yeah. standing next to him. That's gonna be like, oh, I'm home. I can't. What took you so damn? Yeah. <laughs> what took you so damn long? But I'm I'm hoping that it's that they go with Peter Parker. I don't want to. I don't want to see any. Parker. 
I don't want to see any it's Miles. It's not. It's I'm um, not racist. racist. I don't want to see any Miles Morales. I don't want to see you know Ben. Riley ben no, no Ben Riley. None of that crap. <laughs> if you're if you're gonna <laughs> have the Spider-Man one true, UK. you got to have the one true Spider-Man in the cinematic universe, or it doesn't work. Respect, respect. Yeah. Just look at look at um, Spider Verse. He is the best of them. I you have it. I know you have the people who who always scream, you know, well, that for 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 those mythical moviegoers who are also comic book readers, that will get them to buy the comic <laughs> books. And you have the people who are, well, of course they're going to make. You know, Bucky's not going to be Captain America when Captain America comes out in the movies because they they got to have Steve there because that's who's going to be Captain America. And you, know, you you have so many comic books with Peter Parker, and yeah, and you have a lot with Miles right now, but you have. Five movies and, and, and thousands of comics as, as, um, and however many cartoons. And it, it's, it, it'd be neat. You know, I, I don't, I'm not downplaying the importance miles of miles for, for his fans, but it's, it's, um, that's, that's not the Spider-Man that, that, that people are going to, sure. um, so it's, yeah. come on. If you took all the Spider-Man books, and I, and I know they're two separate entities. But if you took all the Spider-Man books featuring Peter Parker and put them in a room and then put all the Miles Morales books, you'd have a little tiny stack of Miles Morales and a gigantic mound of paper with Peter Parker. I mean, it's just I, I'm I'm not, you know, dumping on the character. He's great, but not yet. It does doesn't belong in, in on the screen. It's not it shouldn't happen. Please no. <laughs> For the love of God, don't. <laughs> yeah, and I, I love how Jason always refers to David as the Spider-Man. <laughs> that, dude, I love Spider-Man too. He does. Oh, I see. I okay. do. Does, dude, I mean, I, Spider I know you do. I know you do. I mean, we could be spider buddies. That, spider that's what Spider-Man. You're, well, you're the Spider-Man. Yeah. Spider-Man. <laughs> uh, and I got all caught up besides issue what is it 15 yeah, is that the end? came out today i didn't read yeah i, I didn't read 14. that either no 14 i read i the last issue of spider-verse is that 14 i think it's 14 okay well yeah, I, I, I read 14 every, and spider-verse right and as yeah, i read and I, we saw everything. pages from it we saw pages from yes it. yes some of us uh, did, i don't want to um but i believe the no. issue came out today i should say yeah. i bought pages from it actually but all right whatever yeah, yeah. Well, that, see, I'm I'm proud of you. You're 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 preparing. You're getting our Christmas presents out early, bro. I appreciate. It. Yeah, <laughs> yes. totally. Or at least give me a floor plan to the house so I can sneak my ass in there when Dude, you're, you're home. You've been but, in my house. You know where the stuff true. is. Yeah, we do. Yeah, but I need I need to know all the access. You you do, dude, dude. You you just you dazzle Beth. I'll take care of the art. Uh, by the way, oh, by I, way God, I will God, gladly. God's God help us. God's help us. I invited. Uh, Daryl and the rest of the No Apologies crew to uh, the house on the Thursday of uh, New York Comic Con. Oh, fuck. That's cool. They're good people. Well, they're great people. The house won't be standing when we're done. Well, that's okay. I'll protect the wife. But anyway, (laughs) this is is an awesome segue. While we're on the subject of Spider-Verse, we all read something this week that um, in turn um, dazzled us and fell flat with some Mm -hmm. of us. And I'm talking about the multiversity guidebook. Not just um, okay. See, I I have multiversity down here because we didn't we never talked about the uh, the, the Thunderworld. But but yes, we can talk about multiversity. 
but specifically the guidebook, because um, as we are wont to do during the week, we spend uh, copious amounts of time uh, PMing each other on the Facebook, and eventually the subject of the Multiversity Guidebook came up, um, and I immediately compared what I consider the shortcomings of the guidebook to the successful aspects <laughs> of Spider-Verse. He did. And uh, Jason, on the one hand, and I'm sure he'll tell you about it, he very much enjoyed the guidebook. Jason, why it's don't you tell me? It's me for Jason. Yeah, I mean, so so for, for those listeners who haven't been with us from the beginning, my origin story in comics involves the official handbook of the Marvel Universe. I mean, I, like many of us, read comics intermittently off the spinner rack as a kid in a random order whenever I would get one. But I became a collector and a fan and a and a, a nut that I am to this day because of the Ohatmu trade paperback that was at a um, – and again, I've told the story before, but but I was at a mall with my mother. It was a mall that we didn't normally go to. We were at the food court, and I'm looking at across the way, and there was a comic book store, like a hobby store, and I had never seen such a thing. Went into it was was as as you would expect a young child to be overwhelmed with that that such a place existed, and screaming at me was the deluxe trade paperbacks that they put out of the original. Uh, the, the Ohatmu, uh, deluxe editions. And, and that was back when, when there weren't, I mean, trade paperbacks were an unusual thing. So I bought the one that was there and read it and devoured it. And it's like an encyclopedia of all the powers and, and the histories. And I just, I, I, that started it. I, I went back every week or two trying until they, to get any subsequent volumes, ended up getting all the volumes and pretty much committing all of it to memory. So I love, I've always been a sucker for handbooks and, uh, and guidebooks and the like. So, so this was, um, I knew I would like it, but I think the thing that I was impressed about it is that um, I ordered it, as we often do, sight unseen, thinking it was going to be um, just what it was named, a guidebook of just the different worlds of the multiversity. I had no idea that there it'd be a part of the narrative and actually have a, a, um, a, a wrapper around it of, the, of continuing the story that's been going on throughout Morrison's multiversity. So um, I, I thought it was an absolute uh, home run. I, I thought it was great. I thought the, the different art styles were great. I, I love that we got to see all 52. Well, we got to see most of the 52 worlds. We got seven that are, that are super secret. And we know again, Morrison loves numerology. So that seven is, as I'm sure by no, is not a coincidence that there's seven we've yet to see. Um, uh, I, I love the, the, the meta play that Morrison is intertwining the power of a comic book. The idea that the ideas within a comic book have, have transformative power enough to, to let you, Travel through dimensions. I love that idea. Again, it's, it's, it's in many ways, uh, um, the embodiment of, of all that Morrison stands for as a comic book creator. And, and this really feels like simultaneously multiversity to me is Morrison showing that he can dominate any type of conventional superhero storytelling that we're used to. And at the same time, getting ready to drop the mic and saying, I'm out. Uh, I'm, this is after I'm done with this, I've done everything literally that you can do in superhero comics and I'm going to move on. And I just, I think he's, uh, for something he's talked about doing for what at least five years, if not longer, um, to me he is um, he is managing to both meet, uh, if not exceed, expectations on every level, and I, I I think that's pretty hard because I think this is one of the most anticipated works from him in a long, long time. Hmm. There you go. <laughs> now tell us why you disagree. Well, that's why, uh, that's why Jason loved it. And I will agree with him 
um, as far as the visual aspect of the book goes, I thought it was an absolutely gorgeous book. Uh, cover to cover. There, there wasn't a single line in that thing that I didn't think wasn't oh, I, amazing. I, I, just, I, well, that's okay. Um, I, I specifically, uh, no surprise here. I enjoyed the visuals of the commandy section. I thought they were phenomenal. Um, and, and all the little contributions from the, the, the cast of thousands in the guidebook proper. I thought they were great. Just a, a great, fabulous illustrations. It's, it's with the, the story that, that I, I had, um, that I took issue with. And by taking issue, I mean, I wasn't moved in the slightest by, by anything that went on in this book. I should be, um, Screaming from the rooftops that Ben Boxer and Commandy and, and, and Tufton are, are back in, in, in print and finally looking so beautiful. But that, that whole section was, was nonsensical. It was Commandy and company go into a cave and then they come out of a cave. Um, I don't know if it's high concept or if it's a friggin' joke on Mr. Morrison's part to make flower an actual flower. That was ridiculous. Uh, the source, uh, the handwriting on the source wall. It's it just the, my my biggest problem with the book was we're given these characters this this um this little, little tiny little bat them. little bat cyborg thing, whatever it is, robot spider uh, you know, cyborg. And I know that he's appeared in books before. Okay, that that that's hands off there. But this this Batman, this this exoskeleton, Earth, uh, Earth seventeen or Earth eleven, yeah whiny uh you know obviously addled batman ain't i don't know this character why should i give a shit about this character for x amount of pages why should i care that he's confused he's pulled out of his reality the the little dude tells him you know something's going down people are killing uh, an army of of dr savannah's are, are are killing my friends something's not right like i i have no basis for anything with these characters, I, th- they're not special to me. I haven't read any stories featuring them. I've not given any reason why I should care about these characters. It just felt like a bunch of people just running around that I didn't know doing things that I didn't care about. <laughs> we, we saw the orrery in 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 previous stories. That was cool. Nick's Wotan, we know all about him. That was awesome. So that gave me something on which to chew. Like, okay, I'm at least a bit familiar with this part of the story. And then it just goes off again into nonsense. Like the, the, the fact that art can change reality, that's nothing new. That's not high, high concept. That happens every time you look at something. Your reality has changed. Whether you're, you're pleased, dismayed, whether you're, you're, you're disgusted, your emotional state is changed when you look at whatever. You look out the window and your emotional state is, is even slightly changed. You're not the same person you were before you blinked. Okay? That, that's, that's not high concept. I, I get it. I, I, he, he thinks that his comic book is, is going to change this reality. That's fun. It's, it's cool. But the, the whole guidebook is just like, I, I don't care. I do not care about these characters. And that's where I brought in Dan Slott and compared it to Spider-Verse in that Slott gave us a reason to care about these new characters. We're, we haven't read a whole ton of stuff with Spider-Punk, <laughs> yet we're shown in four pages why this character matters. 
he's given a background, he's given a history, he he's 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 fighting, you know, he's he's fighting the system and and he's good at it and he's doing it with sound, right? That's cool. That's all you need to know for this character for it to work. We don't need this gigantic convoluted you know, multi-layered history of this character to groove on a Spider-Man character with spikes on its head. It just it just works. And and I, and that's what I'm thinking. We're, we're giving a basis to care in in Spider Verse and in Multiversity. I know people are going to disagree with me. There's no grounding at all into care about any of these friggin' characters. There's none. They're just like concepts thrown against the wall, and we'll see what works and what doesn't. Who cares? It, I, I, that's. I'm sorry if I'm if I'm. You know, I, I don't like to go against Jason because I consider him <laughs> an, an incredibly intelligent person, and if he found something in there. You know that w- was worth grooving on. Maybe I'm missing something, but I don't know. In this, well, in this I want to let David speak his mind. I just want to throw two things out there before he he gets this. Go ahead. Go ahead. Number one, I I would love to listen to the eleven o'clock comics of Earth uh, of Earth Two, where this all multiversity comes out in 2012 instead of 2015, and hear your review of it because it would likely be a page by page dissection of its brilliance. Um, <laughs> Uh, because again, you, I think back to some of the breakdowns you've done of other Morrison craft, including things like Sea Guy, and I, so I'm, it's hard for me to juxtapose what you're complaining about right now with okay. what you've loved, but, but, but that's fine. Can it, I, hold on. Can I just but, interject but, one thing yeah, based on what you just said? It, okay. Even as far as like mu- musical acts, if you keep recording the same song year after year after year after year, I'm going to stop buying your records. That that's just how I feel about this. I, sure. I we've I feel like we've seen this many many times before from Mr. Morrison. Well, and Go I would ahead. say again, I, I, the second point is that I think um, Morrison has been talking about these ideas forever, and and I do think again he views this as his uh, punctuation mark on his life as a superhero comic book storyteller, and so I think he's he's the experiment here was him pulling in all the things that have run throughout all of his different types of superhero comic work and pulling them all into one final story. And, and while I, I mean, I'm a big fan of Spider-Verse, so I'm not going to smirch that in comparison to this, but since you did compare the two, I would say you're not playing fair there because again, from a storytelling standpoint, Morrison is not telling a character driven story here. He is trying to tell a story about the very nature of comics, the very nature of, of these ideas and the, the, and the whole idea of of the of multiple universes and and realities and it's really very much a conceptual book the characters are just that they're foils to help get you from point a to point b i don't think we're supposed to care about the characters for the most part whereas spider-man and slot is always in if we're better or worse slot has always been a character-driven storyteller and frankly that's why he's so good at spider-man because it is a single character story where the characters are everything spider-man is memory great Spider-Man stories are driven by Peter and those around him as much, if not more than what he's doing with his powers to save the day. So, so I just, I, I think you're not playing fair here in comparing those because I think again, you're talking about a, a character driven event by its very definition against a non character driven conceptual event. So I'm not saying you're wrong at all, but what resonates is what resonates. But all I'm saying is, is, is I don't think it's, I just think it's like, it's like complaining that your Yugo doesn't go zero to one twenty in three seconds. You have Yugo because it's cheap and it gets you <laughs> fifty miles to the gallon. I mean, so I just, I, I, I just, I don't and know. You I did just, just say you love Spider Man. 
you see, I gotta disagree with you on 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 the the aspects of the storytelling going on here. If if you are writing a story without memorable characters at its core, you might as well not even bother because it's going to fall flat. That for every you, I mean, again, I, no, I no, no, not, that, not, well, no, not for me. For every, very well received by lots of people. So again, for oh, that's you, cool. That's cool. Yeah, but, but what every single work of Every single great work of literature is beloved because of the characters, that's not because of the talk. It's crazy. not. That's what, crazy what the talk. hell? You know, how, many, how many books through our seven years together have you talked about where there's almost no narrative? You just like the you like the visuals, or you like the emotional ah. There feel. you go, the visuals, right? But let, let me let me prey upon your sympathies. What is Moby Dick without? Ahab? Again, you're bringing up a character-driven no. book. Right, exactly. All, all the you, great stories are character driven. What's the point if you don't have anything on which to for the reader to 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 relate, or or to at least empathize, or or you know, it's it doesn't make sense to write a story without at least fairly believable characters. It, there's so nothing for the what reader. What characters am I supposed to fall in love with in Michael DeForge's work? Oh come on, dude! Come on, I think that they're they're great characters in in that book. I mean, they're, okay, they're what new, about prison? Sure, but, oh, it's just the violence. Exactly. So right, it's there, just the violence for violence. Stories. Sake. Right. You you of all people who are all about the expansiveness of creation and art should 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 oh, retract what you I'm, just said. The, the no, idea I'm not that saying every that. Good story is driven by characters is ridiculous. That's a ridiculous every, statement. I no, I didn't say. All right, maybe I did say good. <laughs> All right, let, let me just let me just tweak this a little bit. In both instances, Morrison and Slot are playing with the exact same tools. They're 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 using they're 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 creating iterations of established characters that only work for one reason because we are familiar with the original characters. If you see a, an exoskeleton Batman that acts a certain way, whether you know it or not, you immediately compare that character to the progenitor in your mind you you are comparing this character to bruce wayne the reason why it works is because it's different the reason why parts of it resonate is because they're the same but it all comes back to that original character so for him to just throw out these characters based on you know batman and not give us some reason to 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 care about these characters that's what slot does yeah every single character in spider-verse is based on peter parker and the reasons why some of them vibe with us is because they're radically different than peter parker but we always go back to peter parker and but but slot is giving us this nice hefty bone of meat to chew on because he's telling us why we should care about these characters spider gwen look at the furor that's that's erupting over spider gwen it's the same old same old it's gwen in a spider-man's roughly suit right why do why should we care about this but that first issue was done so friggin well that not yeah this slot. character's no i know not by slot but this character's real to us this this exoskeleton batman who the hell is it I don't know who this is. I, I don't even, and That's I care even less. You're not supposed to care. <laughs> well, then why is he even? That's in the what I was story? waiting for. Because he's a vessel. He's a vessel for the for for the for the bigger picture. Again, it's I agree a with that. Yeah. yeah, the irony is that it's a guidebook. That's the whole point. Not the pages in which that Batman appears. Not a guidebook. But again, the guidebook. They're, they're in there. They're they're in there to surprise you in the sense that it's a narrative around the universes. Okay. Look, all, right, all I'm fair. saying is, I, I think that if if we're to be, and I, if we're to be, again fair here, I think that 
love it or hate it, you clearly fall inside of hate it. Oh, I didn't hate or, it. Or no, dislike it or not feel for it. Uh, Multiversity is as much about Morrison as anything else that's happening in that. This is Morrison's okay. sort of final statement on superheroism, which, which again, if it, he, so if you want to argue that a great storyteller doesn't make it about himself or herself, I'm with you 100%. But again, all I'll say about that is then, then we should, we should have stopped reading Morrison comics a long time ago, and maybe you have. I, 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 think I think Slot is doing a great job in his own thing, but to me, I just I don't I understand why you're comparing the two. They're on they're at the same they're they're both they exist in in the moment. They're both big big events. They both have uh, you know I guess some perception of importance to the broader universe. And yes, they both deal with multi dimension. So I get why you're comparing them. It's natural to do so. I just think the things that I'm enjoying about multiversity have nothing to do with the characters characterizations. Of any particular, I, I'm fascinated by how well he's dealing with each world and making it feel so distinctive by marrying the longtime art partnerships he's using with guys like Cam Stewart, with guys like Quitely, so well. I, I'm 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 in love with that. Whereas with Slot, again, I think this is Slot taking what he's done for years now and just showing that he gets Spider-Man and those around him and what makes Spider-Man important to the readers as well as anyone else. And there's no slot in the book. I mean, it's not about slot. It's about Spider-Man. And so I right. just don't, I just don't see them. Like I, I, I think they are so different. It, it, I have no issue with you or David or anyone else liking one, disliking the other. That's just pure, pure preference. I just think trying to compare the two, I think is to me strikes is just unfair. I don't know. I, I think they're totally separate things. But. Right. Well, and I, I think that's a great way to put it. And you're, you're 100% correct in your assessment of that. Uh, that's the last thing I'm going to say. This 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 multiversity guidebook to me felt like the last couple years of Cerebus, when Dave Sim was so obsessed with his religion, Islam, my Islam, that he transformed the narrative of a book he was working on for the past, you know, X amount of years. He spent the majority of his life on this 300 issue series and he changed the ending to fit his view, his person, what was going on. I mean, Cerebus always had those instances where whatever was going on in Dave's life, he brought it into the book, but he never, never disrupted the narrative for it. He just found a way to shoo it in there. But by the last couple of years of Cerebus, it became all about religion and it was all, you could not extricate Dave Sim from Cerebus. It was about him as much as it was about the care about the Cerebus character. That's what this multiversity feels like to me. It's all about Grant Morrison's take on the concept of the shared universe as far as, you know, shared superhero universes, this high concept take and at this point, like with Cerebus, I don't want to read it anymore. Hmm, that's fair. That's I, 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 I've experienced, I think, everything that he wants to say with this. I've had my fill. Look, I mean, we just—I talked about Happy a couple episodes ago. That's the Morrison I want more of. You know, but this—we've—I've seen, I've read it a million times. I don't want to read it anymore. I don't care about all these universes because they're presented in such. Wafer thin slices, we don't really get much to, to grab onto. But as with anything on this show, your mileage may vary. It's not made for me. It's, you know, Jason grooved on it. I don't know what David's going to say about it, but whatever, you know, let's hear. Break it down for us. Uh, voice of reason. So the, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I, um, 
I don't know if I'm in the middle. I, I didn't need the, the, the sequentials framing the guidebook. I, I, I loved, um, the encyclopedia aspect of the guidebook itself, uh, seeing all the work. I mean, that, that just, it didn't look like who's who, but it, it, it was neat to, to see, um, see the breakdown like that. The sequentials, I guess, the previous one shot with, with Thunderworld, that, that was a setup with the whole, um, with all the, the, the multiverse of, uh, savannas that, that mm. were wreaking havoc. It, so they appeared in this briefly and, and, um, you know, it was, I read a few issues of, um, Dustin Gwynn's, uh, Lil Gotham. I enjoyed those. I, I don't know what this means for, for that series now in the, um, and and the Batman from from Earth the eleven or seventeen I don't know who who that is and and it didn't bother me as much as it did Vince um, I, I can't say from cover to cover it looked flawless I'm I'm looking at the uh, the entry for Earth forty three and and I think Kelly Jones had from like the waist up drawn for these characters and then they wanted a full page so someone else drew the bottom half <laughs> because this, this, this Ultraman vampire is, is completely jacked up. But the, uh, it, it, there, uh, Earth eight, which of course was in the first issue, uh, that, that, that's the Marvel Earth. And I like how, I like the little things, how the, um, around the number eight is the old DC bullet with the four stars and, and, but it's, it's the Marvel Earth. And, and there, there are a lot of, a lot of Earths that, um, that, you could be familiar with if, if you read Elseworlds or if, um, if you read any of the older DC books, uh, some of the earths are new or, um, just created for this and, and completely, um, new to me, whether they've been around for a while or not. But I, I thought the, um, I would live on earth 51. Would you? Yes. Why? Oh yeah, you would, you would, yeah, you're right, you're right, my bad, my bad, I forgot that was the last Earth. Um, you know, yeah, you got the Batman Beyonders, I mean, there, there are some fantastic Earths here, and, and, um, and I, I would like to, uh, spend time on them all, but the, yeah, the, the sequentials, I, I wasn't really, that was, that wasn't needed for me, I, um, I don't know, you know, maybe with the, the next issue, which, and I don't know how I'm supposed to feel about that because it's, it's Masterman, but, but the cover is by Jim Lee. I don't know if he does the interiors. Um, but I'm not quite sure what the next, they, they haven't been on a great role with me. They, with, with the reality TV earth and, and the, um, the Shazam earth and, and some of what I saw in the guidebook, I, they hit the ground running. Morrison did when, when, when Multiversity kicked off. Um, but it's, it's kind of losing me a little bit right now and I, I want to get broke back in. So I'm hoping that, uh, that I will, but it's, um, as a guidebook, I thought it was neat. I, I thought the map was cool. I was showing it to the minion and he was like, Oh, that's cool. And he's looking at some of the other streamers. He's like, wait, why that's, why is that? He, he's not, he's not keen on the whole, you know, diversity now. And, and, you know, why, why do you have to make that character a, um, who's usually a Caucasian, not a Caucasian, just to appease people. But so I was breaking all that down to him and, and talking about the different earths and the universes. But I, I thought the guidebook was, there were, there was a lot more good 
than bad. I, I kind of, once I started reading the, the, the story, I, um, I kind of skimmed over it just to get to the meat of it, which is what I, I wanted initially. I don't know if it was, I don't know if this would have been better, um, capping it off at the end. I, I'm sure that things that, that you read about each earth will, there were hints there that are going to play out in, in upcoming issues, but, um, I, I didn't hate it. It wasn't the worst of the series so far, but, um, I, yeah, no, I, I'd, I'd say I'm in the middle between both of y'all. I, I, uh, I enjoyed some of it and, and really wasn't feeling some of it. Hmm. There you go. Wow. Vastly, uh, different opinions on this thing. It makes the world go around, baby. It's true. It's true. But just remember, I I read Animal Man back in the day, so this is nothing new for Mr. Morrison. Well, that's Whatever. actually what I was going to say. Is this, this is again? He's 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 going full circle. I mean, this is that's good. You know, yeah. Well, well you would have loved right. this if it came out three years ago, though. Stop. You would have. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't know about that. Oh but it's God, impossible. Dude, it's impossible to even say. I, I've 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 I believe. I've let our my... listeners. If you think right. Vince would have loved this three years ago, let's hear. it. Okay, but that's three years of the same old, same old. So, there we go. Because he's done how many superhero <laughs> books in the last years? Enough. I'm, I have high hopes for his image stuff. Mm-hmm. I do. Yeah, think. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I'm looking forward to reading his legendary stuff. Actually, once we're done tonight. Oh, re- oh the uh, Annihilator. Ni- Annihilator. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, um, I really want to get this Valiant book in before we we close shop here. Oh, so you want to end on a high note, not on Star Wars 2. All right, that's cool. That's fair, isn't it? <laughs> yes, that is very fair. <laughs> Jason, did you um, check out Mr. Matt Kent's uh, new book from Valiant? Nah, but I'm curious to hear what y'all thought. Okay. As I said, written by Mr. Matt Kent. Pencils by Trevor Hairsign. Wow. Ryan Wynn uh, did the ink. Uh, David Barron, the color art. Dave Lamphere did the letters, and of course, it's published by Valiant. It's called Divinity, number one. And it is, I think it's pretty much safe to say, Mr. Price, it is unlike any Valiant book published to date. That's what I said? Yes. It, well, it gets a little weird towards the end. But uh, initially, um, it's the tale of two men. On the one hand, uh, you have Abram Adams. A man who was born in 1945, abandoned by his parents. They just uh, left him on the doorstep of a uh, Russian foreign minister. Uh, he was raised by the state after his adoptive parents uh, passed on. And uh, he grows into an exceptionally bright kid. Uh, the kids, he's gifted. He's in peak physical, physical condition. He is a thinker. A seeker. He, he's always looking for, uh, the unseen and, you know, what's behind the curtain, uh, getting his fingers dirty into the, the work, the inner workings of, of, of what it, this all is. Um, and because he's so damn smart, he is, he's kind of molded by the people in power to serve the state. Not like, not unlike Captain America, uh, on this side of the ocean. So he becomes a symbol for the country uh in this case russian um superiority and this is cold war so you know there there's a battle going on we're not dropping bombs and and killing men at least not on the surface 
but we're we're in a, we're in a, in a in a struggle with this this other superpower to um gain superiority in the final frontier space while the americans want to put a man on the moon the russian thoughts are a lot bigger than that they want to send a man to the very fringes of the milky way galaxy and so abram having no earthly ties pun intended so to speak i mean he's got no family uh he is he accepts he's offered and accepts this mission to to go into space uh explore but it because the distance is so vast he's going to have to undergo some kind of cryogenic uh mojo and it's going to be a 30-year mission so uh he accepts the mission and he's sent on his way uh, little do they know that he does have earthly ties. He uh, he has seemed to have fallen in love with a uh, a white woman. Abram is 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 black. Uh, she doesn't appreciate it too much when he leaves. But this is where the story gets really weird. Um, there's another character in this book named David Camp. Yeah. Pretty simple character, at least. I mean, Abram is really fleshed out. David is just, we kind of just get the surface gloss of, of David. He, he loves to conquer obstacles. He likes to rock climb. That's his thing. Yeah. He's at, he's at peace when he's climbing these, these, these rocks, you know? Um, so he's in, a, in, in Australia and he's, he's inching his way up this really precarious, uh, precipice. And right before he reaches that, that last, you know, leveling out, he's startled by a vision of Abram Adams. And he's got his Cosmo suit on and he's reaching his hand out to help him up and David just loses his shit. It's like, oh, there's not supposed to be somebody up here. He loses his grip and he falls. And on the way down in, in the panel <laughs> is excruciatingly painful. Oh, God. He smashes his head on an outcropping, hits the ground. Uh, eventually he gets up. He's all battered and bloody and he's got, because he hit his head, he's got this, this, torrent of blood just covering the one side of his face and the indigenous people he meets up with them eventually kind of take that as like you know war paint or something so i guess they they kind of accept him and it gets really really strange what's he's, strange he's, before no right he's he's wandering around and and he's he reaches this this clearing and there's there's a like a a long um series of steps leading up um and he sees this vision of i don't want to give it away but it, abram has a vision in the book as well or what we're what's presented as reality but it could be a vision we're not really sure and the vision that david get is eerily similar to the one that abram and you're wondering how are these two men related like what in the hell is going on here is is everything as it seems or does one of these men or both of these men have the ability to bend reality and if so why and how and and i i i think kent really drops a big clue as to what's going on here early in the book abram is in class and he's looking at this incredibly complex equation on the blackboard and the teacher said it says abram can you tell us what's going on here and abram says it's the indefinite continued progress of existence and events in the past present and future regarded as a whole 
And then at the end of the book, Kent kind of cements that fact by saying Abram and David are kind of like facing pages in a book. They're distinct entities when the book is open. But when the book is closed, they occupy that same physical space. This book is crazy. I, I mean, I, I closed the cover and I said, okay, Matt, you, you, you got my attention. I want to know what in the hell is going on here. And it's so well written. Is, I mean, David, am I, am I wrong in that? No, it is. I, like, I was, I, I, there, the scene with, I'm not real big on, um, uh, I guess the Russian scenes told the story and, and, and that was fine, but I, that, that's one setting and, and one, um, one area that, that my entertainment really doesn't, um, it's not that I'm not comfortable with. It's just not, not, not a favorite of mine. So I was, I was reading it, not, not loving it, even though it's, it's working for, for the book. Then we get to, to David Camp doing this rock climbing thing and then what happens to him. But what's really freaking me out is, is, um, is the way Kim is explaining or, or describing or narrating, um, what David is doing and, and how his, his body is making him go forward. You know, his, his, his mind, Turned itself off so that it, could, you know, he could basically persevere and 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 for sustenance. But everything is his body, his body, and the way it's just breaking down. And and Trevor's, I don't remember when he really looked. The, I mean, this is better than the Ultimate Nightmare stuff. This oh, is better than yeah. you know. The, I think this is better than 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 um, Class awesome. War. It just it looks amazing, and and it it just it it, it doesn't look like any Valiant book. On the stands right now, but it, no. it, it between it was it's just it was a perfect marriage of words and pictures between what 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 Kent is telling you and what Hairsign is showing you. It just that that one page, I I could stare at that page for for days, and then it just it it you know, which one which one's that where, where where he's walking through the desert and it's it's oh, his body man. and it's and he's just yeah he doesn't know where the snake bite came from, but at this point it doesn't matter. And it's like oh. where the I was just like I was. Yeah, no, seriously, uh, Jason. He gets bit by a snake somewhere along the way. You don't see it. You don't really have to. But but his leg becomes like small and and and, yeah. And it's the way Harrison draws it. It's crooked to the side, and you see this guy walking, and you're just like, this dude is in tremendous pain. And he's he's just shrugging it all and, off. But, he but the narration is like, you know, we don't know when the snake. He doesn't know when his body doesn't know when the snake bite happened, but it's just trying to persevere. And it it was just yeah. it's crazy, and and it was just. But it's it's not. It, it means nothing to the story. Just maybe what this dude's going through. But it's not like it plays into anything else. But for for Kent to just kind of put it there to to tell you what's happening and 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 explain and show you what's happening, it. It fit. It, it's not like it's like. Well, I didn't see a snake. I don't. You know, if it, how, how was how was he bitten by a snake? If this was a Morrison book, you think it was all in his head or something? Because it's like, well, I didn't see a snake, and if I didn't see it, then it didn't happen. But it, it just, it's a, it's an unusual for a valiant. It's an unusual for valiant book. Is is what this is? Yeah, yeah. It's not. You know, um, super powered alien exoskeletons blasting uh, gigantic robots. Or, you know, or. And it doesn't or, look yeah. like The Valiant by Rivera. It doesn't no, look like The no. Delinquents by Kano. It's just, it, it's crazy with the amount of work on these pages. And it's, you know, I mean, cause right now I'm, I'm, I'm reading Time Walker and that's the time traveling book. But yet here's this book set in 
however many decades ago and and it's it's also dealing with some time because like Vince loves this whole time is not absolute thing and it's oh yes, <laughs> yes. J- Jason the one the one uh, part the, the teacher is talking about he's in class he's talking about that equation blah 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 and he says time is not absolute Kent dropped the bomb you you say time is not absolute you are it's, you are bringing me back you're bringing me back to that day baby and it's just it, I thought it was so great I I, I the the voice that Kent has cultivated at Valiant. I think it's amazing. He, I think he's really found his thing. Now, I know that, you know, uh, Super Spy and, and Mind Management, those are great books, but this, this incarnation of Kent, I mean, is unlike anything he's done anywhere else. And I love this writer. I love the writer he's become at, at Valiant. I can't wait to get him on. Yeah. I mean, I think, uh, I'll have to read it before I can weigh in there. I just think that, uh, to me, Kent, I mean, if he's not drawing it, it's not his, um, you know, that, like, to me, that's his cinema stuff. It's when he's writing it. Yeah. Oh, that's, that, that's fair. Yeah. Um, and David, did you notice yeah, on the very first page where they say, you know, he was abandoned and left on the doorstep and you see the front of the, the, the foreign ministry and you see the, the little baby there and then the next panel, it's gone. And the very last panel, you see Abram looking at in, in, the, in the Cosmo suit, looking at the front of the 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 minister the foreign ministry and it's just like is he there is he not there because you don't know based on the last page you don't know what the hell's going on you're right there's so many damn questions but you see the um the the vessel with with with, with all the growth and and the um yeah the, it's the vegetation growing out of it it's it yeah i i got to read the next issue I, march is going to feel like it's it's quite a ways away, but the, um, what was the, uh, oh crap. See, I don't, I thought I had it in my Dropbox. Um, was there a mailbox number? Was there a house number on the mailbox? One of these in, on one of the pages in this issue? Um, let me get it. It's right here. But, um, Jason, there, there is, um, Kent artwork in this. It's, you get a bunch of pages at the end where they're just like, uh, oh yeah, the know, back matter, back matter sketches and shit. And, um, you get to see some of Kent's work in there. Nice. Yeah. No, it's a complete package. I love the Cosmo suit. It's it's old timey, but it's 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 yeah. It's not Exo uh, Man of War armor. It's, it's no, no. It's, the guy's got a freaking fishbowl on his yeah, head. Yeah, it's got all these tubes sticking out of it and looping around. Do PDFs um, move really slow for you in uh, Comic Zeal? Yes. Okay. That's I th- I just thought it was me. Because whenever I try and, and change a uh, turn the page in Comic Zeal, it friggin' dies on PDFs. No, I I don't see any mailbox number. All right, I'll see if I can find it then. Yeah, you 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 probably know exactly where it is, but um, I the one um slight nit I have to pick with this issue, I don't know if it's because it's a, a PDF or, or or what. I'll I'll be able to tell uh, better when I get the actual book in my box. But the colors seemed a little hot. They seemed a, a little, That's little, little, little too saturated to me. Like the the green is friggin' neon green. I was for, for the. I read it on the um, on the work computer at uh, during lunch, and it didn't. Um, it's not every page. It's just certain pages where some colors just like scream off the page, and I don't think it was intended. So it it must be the PDF. I don't know. We'll see when it's printed. But anyway. Yeah, I got to give this this one a, a 
highest possible recommendation. I was I was bamboozled, amazingly surprised by this. I shouldn't have been because it's Kent, but it was, I thought it was great. I did too. They they continue to surprise me. All right, clock on the wall, and and you will be surprised at how much money y'all can save at Discount Comic Book Service, DCBService.com. Remember, Bloodshot Reborn number one, dollar ninety nine. Ghost Fleet uh, Trade Volume One, seven dollars and forty nine cents, and the Legacy of Luther Strode number one from Image Comics, a buck ninety nine. I guess this is the in your travels part. <laughs> Dude, you, uh, I, you're rushing us out of here, man. No, I'm not rushing us because we're going to probably talk about something for mm. a, a good good amount of time. I want to pimp something from Tomorrow's. Yeah, great, you do. The great Tomorrow's company, the 30th volume of the Modern Masters series has appeared. You can get it in print or digital, and it is uh, devoted to the unbelievable talents of Juan Paulo Rivera. And it is amazing. Page after page of gorgeous Paulo Rivera art. You get commentary, um, uh, process, insight. There's uh, Fantastic Four stuff in here, Spider-Man stuff, of course, Daredevil stuff. Like right from his uh, early days, there's a couple of illustrations of Venom in here that I wishes, that I bet you he wish were never reproduced. Um, it, 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 it spans the gamut between his, uh, painterly stuff. The dude created, he sculpted heads based on a ton of Marvel characters for the, uh, the mythos series that he did. There's a, um, there's a Reed, there's a Ghost Rider, there's a Sue and a Ben. He actually sculpted the heads to use in aiding him in, in drawing the issue. And they show you the heads and they are gorgeous i mean th- he could be a sculptor if he wanted to full a legit sculptor there's the the heads are flawless and and they weren't 3d printed or anything he sculpted them that's crazy um there's color pages in here you get penciled pages i think it's an amazing work because as i've said many times on the show i think paulo rivera is destined for for legend i think the dude is one of the true greats and as we've seen on the valiant and all his Marvel work. You see the cover of this thing. If you haven't seen it, it's my girl, Susie, in a bikini with her little sun hat on. And Paolo draws. It's like a straw sun hat. And there's a cross uh, hatch pattern where the sun is piercing through the holes. And it's amazing. And dumbass Reed is not looking at his wife's ass. Eh. Like, he sh- like he should be. He's turned around, you know, playing. His arm is a... A kite. Reed should be and breaking the kid, it off every night. I'm saying, right? And look at her. She's so gorgeous. And and Reed's just like, oh, kids are playing with my hand. It's a kite. Dumbass. That's why she left you in the first place, you moron. But anyway. That Namor. Uh, that sushi she samba. should. He would, Namor would take care of, of my girl. I got some fish for your taco. Uh, but there's, stop. There's a lot of, <laughs> this is dirty. There's, <laughs> there's uh, a lot of cover work in here it's an amazing amazing volume like i said you can get a good deal on it if you go to the tomorrow's website uh you can get a digital download of this thing cover price of the print version is 15.95 worth it and yes it's very much worth it i'm gonna get the page count for them here in a minute if this uh comic zeal wasn't so damn slow 
Ugh, good lord. Um, but the, the, the digital version, all the gravy, less than half the price. So you can get this thing for, um, a, a nice, nice price if you opt for the digital nice, version. Nice I baby. can't. Uh, it's exactly 136 pages, I think. Which is cool. That's a lot of gorgeous Paulo Rivera art, man. And you should ch- definitely, yeah, definitely invest in this. Shut up, you. Thanks uh, for done. Yeah, I love Paulo Rivera. Holy crap. If I had the scratch, I would buy a ton of his pages. That's, that's an artist worth kicking out for. Paulo Rivera. Well, it's, like, it's like I said when you posted the uh, the cover on Facebook. This is, this is one of those titles where it is absolutely true. Um, truth in advertising. A, a title has never been more apt to call him a modern master. It, it's um, yep. it's a beautiful book. Um, I still need to read. I, I skimmed over a lot. I, I jumped around with the interviews, but um, that's another thing. It's not just an art book. I mean, that's that's the the reason for it, but there are a lot, there's a lot of text. There's a lot of interviews and process stuff. Yeah. It's great. I know he talks about, uh, working on one moment in time and, and, uh, and yeah, all the covers and things like that. But yeah, it's, um, it's a good read. A lot of them are, I haven't read every, I've read all 30 of the modern masters. The ones that I have read are really, really good. I think they do. Uh, tomorrow's is a great job. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, in your travels, any meeny, I'm gonna run with, actually this, this came out today. Um, I have a few things here listed, but I'll, I'll, I'll go with this because I think- You could do more than one. Uh, I'll do more than one. Because this may be something that Jason was even gonna talk about, so he's gonna, he's gonna be all, all mad at me in a minute anyway. Uh. He would never get mad at the booth. <laughs> um, in your travels, I believe, this issue came out today. Uh, it is, um, it is done by the, um, by the Jasons. Uh, yeah, Southern Bastards number seven. Yeah, you. Uh, Jason Aaron and Jason Latour. It continues, um, Coach Boss's story, uh, before he was a coach, um, way back in the day. He is not, you know, it, I, it's weird. I'm, I'm glad that, uh, that they decided to tell the story this way because it's probably not a book I would have stuck with had they, uh, not started off with, with Earl's story. Um, it's, uh, meaning you, you, uh, you meaning you're, you're not feeling the boss story as much as I, it, but the boss story, it, it serves a purpose and, and I know we're going to get a payoff, but, uh, reading about, um, Ulysses and, and his upbringing and his wanting to play football and, um, the shit that he has to deal with in his life and has thrown at him, it would be, it would be hard for me to take that from Warden and then a few issues. And, sure. uh, it's, we're, this is, this is chapter three of this story. He's, he's older and, um, you know, he, he is, uh, it, it's, He's graduated high school and, and, uh, that, that's where this issue ends. Um, and it ends in a real, um, kick in the taint type moment in, in this dude's life. And, and you get, you definitely get a feeling as to why he, um, based on the first five issues and, and, and the character we're introduced to when the series starts, um, you get an idea. There's a glimpse as to 
how he became that person, why he is the way he is, why, why people react to him or treat him, um, with fear and not so much respect, but they, uh, it's, I, I don't mind the flashback and, and getting some insight on that because we still have to, um, I'm, I'm, I'm waiting to see what happens with the fallout from the person who was on the other end of the phone with Earl. We still have to get packed to that. So, which, so we still have yes, to get to exactly. the same day and things like that. So I, um, you know, I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it for the long haul. I am not, you know, I, I, it hasn't gotten to the point where I, I can't take this anymore because I, it's just, it is so miserable, but it, it, it's a, um, it's, it's still a great read. It's not, it, it's not a feel good book, but it's still a, uh, it, it's still something that I would definitely recommend if, um, if, if you read, here was a man, then this will continue that, that story. It, it's the same feel, uh, just kind of from a different point of view, but it's a, um, it doesn't feel any different with, with, with this story lark. It's, it's not, uh, there's no, um, they haven't switched anything up. They're just telling you the story of someone else in this, in this universe. And it, it's a, um, it can be hard to take. But I, like I said, the the Jasons have benefited that with me. I, I will get a payoff, and um, I may not feel good about it, but it's 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 leading to something, and 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 they uh, they have me along for the ride. But yes, definitely read, continue to read Southern Bastards. This is issue seven. Um, I'm not sure if there's another chapter or two for this particular story, but. Um, yeah, I uh I, I'm can't wait to see where it's going. Yeah. I think the boss story is absolutely essential. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. You 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 need a reason to hate this dude. Right. Other other than the fact of what happened at the end of issue was it 4? Five. 5. Uh that that is is pretty big doings, Where but is it 4. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah I think well, I th- 4 is the big yeah. yeah right, four. 4. That that was a a, a major uh kick to the gut but and that alone would give me a reason to dislike the character but i i really like make me hate this dude yeah but at you know add a couple it doesn't hurt to add a couple sympathetic layers right. too right which they do yeah right yeah I'm, i mean i'm with i'm with that in the sense that uh i thought the seventh issue was strong but i i'm with you and I, I definitely i i um i don't want like six issues of this like i like right. I, I don't want another three issues of of him in his late twenties and then in this, like, I, I, I'd like to, 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 I mean, you can give me more boss backstory, but give me more boss backstory after we see another character or two and we get introduced to them. Like, I think the thing that Aaron did so well with Scalp is, uh, you know, Red Crow was, was someone that was hard to like. He certainly wasn't a good person, but, but he, 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 he was so well-rounded and we learned so much about him in his past that, there were moments where you could feel some sympathy for his path, even if he was a reprehensible bastard. Um, so, uh, but yeah, so I think it's been, I think you're right. I think it's right on the edge for me of, of, of kind of like, all right, let's get on with it. So, you know, I'd, I'd like issue eight or at least nine to take us to a different, different place. Uh, yes, for sure. Um, but, uh, in your travels, a couple things. One, uh, shout out to our friends over at, uh, the no apologies podcast. Who just, uh, aired their 200th episode. 
Um, I had the very fun pleasure of joining them uh, on Friday evening for the recording of their 201st episode. It was a blast. Um, hasn't been posted yet, but it should be uh, should be soon. And, and when it is, it'll uh, it will likely entertain y'all. For, for those that don't know the show, I likened it on episode 201 to the uh, you know every family has kind of that uh, that crazy drunk uncle that uh, yes. you know you, you see it at, at family reunions and That's you know he's he's family. And uh, and you love him, but he's a little crazy. Uh, that, <laughs> We're talking about Daryl, aren't no, we? No, <laughs> that's no apologies to us. It's like a oh, crazy okay. drunk uncle version of our show, really. Uh, yeah. So, but uh, but no, I had a lot of fun and I appreciate those guys having me on. Congrats to to their uh, hitting that milestone. Um, I, uh, I I I had the occasion in honor of the fact that uh, it was announced this week that uh, or last week I should say that. Uh, Mr. Brian Michael Bendis is wrapping up his time on the X-Men. And uh, I guess Brian is nothing if not a savvy businessman. He also re-upped his Marvel exclusive for a bunch more years. But uh, but we, we, if we're, we don't know for sure, but if we're to guess based on all the rumblings, the X-Universe is going to be de-emphasized past Secret Wars. Um, I don't know if that means no X-Men or if that just means less focus on them, less titles. I, I don't know. I'm, I'm obviously hoping for the the latter, not the former, given my love of mutants. But, but either way, it's not going to be as important uh, a property uh, post-Secret Wars. And so it's no surprise that Bendis is stepping away after a, uh, almost a three-year run. It, it seems like just yesterday he started yeah, doing really. those books. But, but so I did take occasion to catch up on both uh, all-new X-Men and Uncanny, and, uh, as well as Amazing X-Men, which he is not writing, but I figured good, good time as any to catch up on that, too. Um, on Amazing X-Men, I will say, um, it's been all over the place, um, in terms of both art and, and, and story. Um, there was the obligatory access, uh, tie-in, which I thought was a complete waste of time. It was, uh, basically looking at Nightcrawler as an evil Nightcrawler. Oh, and yeah. Mystique is the good Mystique and, and, uh, them playing the doting mom and how much she loves him and how she let him down. And it just didn't, it just, it's, it just felt so heavy-handed relative to uh, the fact that, again, it was due to access and, and not something that was endemic of either character uh, coming forward. Um, but the last two issues, which looks to me like it's the first two of a three-issue arc, are, are have been a lot of fun. There's a new artist, at least for me, named... Uh, last name is Borges, B-O-R-G-E-S. I believe the first name is Juan. I don't have it written down here. But uh, a very, very distinctive art, uh, very indie um, which I would imagine probably isn't sitting well with a lot of folks, but I, I dug it. Um, I haven't seen the X-Men look this way before, but, but it works for me. And it's um, the, the Crimson Band of Sidorak is back, uh, which, nice. which powers Juggernaut, and uh, Colossus has a dream where he realizes it's back and alerts the X-Men, and they decide they want to go and try and get the gem and put it away before someone else possesses it and becomes the Juggernaut. Um, but given Colossus's uh, recent history with the gem and being the juggernaut and also with his involvement uh, um, with Phoenix Force and all that, uh, needless to say, Storm, who's the leader right now after Logan died, is, wants him to have no part of this mission. Um, I have to say they, they started me off strong with this arc because the uh, second page is uh, my girl Domino uh, uh, post-coitus uh, with uh, Colossus. She's been banging out Colossus. So I got to give give him credit for that, but but no, it's 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 pretty cool. Um, Kane Marco's in it, and there's basically a, a, they're they're all descending onto this pyramid where the where the crimson gem is. To uh, a lot of people are staking their claim on this gem, so I suspect we're going to 
I don't know if we're going to have it where Kane gets the gem back and is back to being the Juggernaut, or if we're going to have a new new Juggernaut um, following Colossus being it. But but either way, it's 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 all, it's been cool. Um, Uncanny uh, Bacalo has never looked better. I think he he's I don't know if it's old age or if it's uh, maturity, but he's reined in some of the. Uh, I always think Bacalo looks great, but but there have been times where I think it's fair criticism to say that he has um, foregone storytelling for the sake of visuals. For for and and I don't see that in this run at all. I, I see I, I see very cogent, clear storytelling without losing the uh, the, the visual uh, mastery that he and Tim Townsend always seem to put on the page. So. Um, I, I'm definitely enjoying what I'm seeing on Canny more than I'm vibing on the all new right now. Um, all new again is 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 the uh, number of the young uh, past X Men that were brought to the present are now in the Ultimate Universe, and uh, it's just a little bit head twisting, especially knowing that the Ultimate Universe is going to cease to exist soon. So, just uh, not sure what I feel about that so much, but I, I'm definitely digging. What's going on on Canny, which is essentially there's a new Omega level mutant um, uh, named Matthew, who uh, is essentially, I mean, for lack of a better, he's almost like Akira or um, or like Molecule Man on steroids. He, he essentially can do anything that he thinks about. You know, so more powerful than the Legion, um, and as a result, Xavier uh, put him. Uh, you know, did one of those those things where he, when he first discovered him, he erased the kid's memory of ever having his powers. You know, because he was, he just realized that there was he, this guy would be such a threat with his powers that, that it was better for him never to manifest. And of course, things happen. He manifests, and now he can do all this. And there's this real jockeying, uh, like a game of chess, for what to do with this kid. And of course, uh, Cyclops, who's turned into probably Marvel's best villain, uh, is is trying to befriend, quote-unquote, Matthew and give him a home, a place to belong. But but really, it's pretty obvious that he's doing this because he realizes that having Matthew in his corner will essentially allow him to uh, realize his dream of, of, uh, of, of, of dominating uh, for the sake of mankind. And it's very ironic because who's standing in his way but, uh, but, but Magnus, but, but Magneto. Uh, not Magneto, but it's Magneto. Um, so that's a lot anyway, of fun. Any way you want. Yeah, that's to. a lot of fun. But either way, all of these stories are about to wrap up in the next issue or two, leading up into Secret Wars. So, uh, so uh, yeah, shout out to Bendis. You know, I know we haven't talked about Bendis anywhere near as much as we used to, um, but uh, but I think he's done a pretty nice job on on the X stuff. It's 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 been different, and it's been uh, you know I think it's been I, I've enjoyed it. I, I I can't say I've I've it's not going to go down as the the you know, the, the most successful X-Men runs, but, but, uh, he had a pretty low bar to hop over after Fraction. So, um, so I, I, I think it's been pretty good. And, uh, I'm looking forward to, uh, to what happens of, uh, of our merry band of mutants post-secret wars. I hope, I hope they're around still. I'm assuming, assuming they're not going to get rid of them completely because that would be crazy. That, that'd be crazy. What, what's interesting is that we have, the Marvel movies and and it's the Avengers and Guardians of the Galaxy and Ant Man. And then you have what Fox has, which is the X Men. But Marvel will publish or, or or team up the Guardians and the X Men, which is not something that I guess we'll see in the movie anytime soon. But I was I, I started reading the um 
the Black Vortex Alpha when I got home today, and it it definitely reminds me of um, seeing these two teams together take me back to the days of the old JLA JSA team ups. I don't know why it just it it struck a chord with me for some reason. That's cool. Yeah, I haven't read Black Vortex yet, so I, I'll uh, I'll be delving into that now that I'm. I'm up it's the McGinnis art. It's it's pretty slamming. Yeah, and, I'll be on. And that. by the way, uh, th- th- I'm glad you because you, I, I did forget to say something. The um, this current arc of of Uncanny, um, it, it a big player in this is uh, is is Eva Bell, who is one of the new the new mutants. She's the time traveler. And, yes. um, the, they did a great job with the two annuals. Um, th- that, that was, uh, Sorrentino, right? Yeah, Andrea Sorrentino, exactly. They, they, they revolve around, uh, about Eva Bell. And, uh, and, and, you know, it's hard for these young characters. Every, every, it seems like every three or four years we get a new, a new group of, of young X-Men, right? Like, what are, you know, students at Xavier's and, for the most part, most of them don't stick around. And every, you know, one or two do, like we had, it seems like Rockslide and Pixie stuck around from the young X-Men and, um, in armor, I guess, from the, uh, from the Cassidy, uh, Weed and Run. And so, so, you know, I guess one or two stick around from each, but, but not, not, generally not at the forefront. And, um, I thought those annuals did an awesome job of making me care about Eva Bell, to Vince's point earlier about Sly. Like, it, it, like reading those, um, and Sorrentino's art was phenomenal. Um, it, it really did make me care about this character and it, it I thought it, it established her nicely as a, as a, as an important, uh, cog and, uh, and she's really at the epicenter of this arc involving. She, 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 uh, let's just say she takes after, uh, Hank McCoy in, uh, in her, her penchant willingness to, uh, fuck with the space time continuum even though everyone tells her not to. So, um, so. Why do they keep doing that? Oh, uh, dude, the X-Men. They're the, they're the absolute worst, right? They just yeah. don't give yeah. a shit about, about continuity, um, ironically. Enough. Which makes me wonder why the Illuminati actually asked Hal, or Hank to be in there in the first place. Yeah. They, they, they know what's going on. It's just like, okay, come on. You, you've made bad decisions in the past. Hey, come on and make some bad decisions for us, too. Yeah, for sure. Christ. Um, while you were on the subject of no apologies, I think we should congratulate mr tom king on uh scoring one of my favorite dc properties the omega man yeah he's gonna gonna be writing the uh forthcoming omega man title oh i'm so excited for that yes that is a good point and uh cannot wait as i joked with him uh he's finally got enough on his resume where he, he may be worthy of coming on the show (laughs) <laughs> you dick. You did not say that. I did. That. I said it to him on episode 201. <laughs> oh, shit. That is awesome. It is. Uh, we, he's, he's accomplished enough pre-Omega Men that we should have had him on. No, I know. Hey, man, he bought us yeah. dinner at a diner. I'm good. I didn't get anything. Oh, that was Heroes World? Yeah. Not Heroes World, but Heroes Con. Heroes Con, yeah. Um, so we're not going to talk about Star Wars number two? Uh, <laughs> no, we don't want to fall from a low note. No, no. Did you guys, but we, get have you guys read any of this, the Silver Surfer? Uh, the Silver Surfer. The Silver I, Surfer. Uh, the first was, couple of issues. Yeah, me too. I need to get back to it. I read First Trade and, uh, it's, it's great, man. I, I, the first issue kind of was so abruptly different than what I expected that I, I thought, alright, well, I need to come back to this. But, but, uh, in, in, in its, 
in the in the form of an arc. Uh, it was it was terrific. I, I really thought uh, it hit its groove after maybe like the second issue, like like the third through sixth. I really felt it hit its groove, and it's uh, it's it's there's some clever things like uh, like she. Uh, you know, it's about, it's basically Norn has got a, 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 a human counterpart now named Dawn Greenwood and they're traveling the cosmos together. And, uh, and she's this real cute, almost like, um, she reminds me of Zoe Deschanel, kind of in a way. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah you're right, yeah. you're right. And, and it's, it's so clever that she, the board has got its own kind of sentience and she calls it Toomey. And Norn Rad's like, why do ah. you call it Toomey? And she's like, because you call it Toomey, like, to, you know, because my board Toomey must <laughs> So she calls it Toomey, so it's almost like a sidekick now, which is clever. And, uh, and, and I, you know, I all read, uh, I don't remember thinking the first issue, like, blew me away in the way that most all read art does, but, but he found his groove after that. Like, uh, once they get into the Empiricon and, yeah. and uh, all the different crazy, uh, you know, characters that are involved with that and everything, I think he really started getting back into the all read where you, you kind of, your mind is blown at what the dude can do with the page, so. So I, I, second in your travels to give give the Silver Surfer a try since we gave Mister Slot some love uh, earlier in the, in, the, in the show. Yeah, I gave and I gave I gave Dan the short shrift during the Oscars was when we were breaking down when I was explaining my reasons for the writer and and I said as much as I you know Spider Man Amazing Spider Man is my favorite book and this that and the other I we were talking about how many other things. The other writers on our lists were, were writing and, and I did make it seem like Slot was only writing and co-writing or plotting Spider-Man stories when he was also writing Silver Surfer, which, which is a lot of fun. So. Yeah. I think Laura is the, the all red secret weapon. Oh, I, I don't think she's a secret, but I think you're right. I mean, she's... Well, you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. he he has such a distinctive style. It's a throwback style, but the her her color art looks unlike anyone's. Yeah, that, I mean, that, that she has such a distinctive color palette, right? Yeah. yeah. Just those primary colors, very little shading. And she does the textured thing with the with the gray tones mixed uh, with the, the, you know, the color art. It's just amazing. It almost looks like an animation cell. Uh, a lot of times, I just I, I think she's such a unique voice in 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 color art. I'd like um, to see her color she, other people's stuff every now and then. Just she yeah, yeah well, she, she has yeah. yeah, I think she has something recently too because I, I saw that it. Um, oh, it, did she? Yeah, let's see oh. if I can uh, find it real quick. But the um, it it does work. It seems to work really well with with her husband. Um, yeah. But it's, uh, yeah, there's, um, let's see, most recently it was, uh, let's see. Oh, that was going to be my other in your travels, but, uh, Lady Killer. She, she's coloring, uh, That's right. Oh, right. oh like, yeah, uh, you're yeah. right. Yeah. Okay, there you go. And I, and I actually had that highlighted. Yeah, I read the second issue of that. The first issue, as fun as that was, the second issue, I think, is, unlike it, man, is better. It's, uh, it, oh, it, good, cause I, yeah, I, all right. I'll put that up to the top of the stack. Then. It's yeah, no, I, I would. We'll, uh, we'll we'll talk about it after you read it then. But yeah, that that's definitely in your travels. Nice, cool. All right, everybody. Hey, thank you for being here with us yet again. Uh, if you have uh, joined us in uh, the uh, fallout from the the Hickman episode, thank you for coming back. Yeah, yeah. Or especially we, we, if we have any new listeners to that, thanks for coming aboard. That's what I mean. Yeah. 
we're, we're glad to have you and stick around because there's going to be plenty, plenty more stuff to come. Uh, we love you, as David says. He can't live without you. Yes, and make, sh- make sure you're, make sure you're here with us next week because right. we would be remiss if you weren't. I can't wait till, uh, Star Wars like number five. That's going to be awesome. Yes. That's how, I really think we should talk about Star Wars two next week. All right. Come on. You can yeah, tell let's, us that. let's just work it out into like the, to the middle so that we don't. Okay, that's fine. Right, Right. it makes sense. Um, Say goodnight, David. Goodnight, David. Plus, we'll be able to talk about Darth Vader number one. Yeah, yeah. Liefeld loved it. That's all that really matters, right? Peace out. (laughs) Ladies.